Gonna make it work again. Trying to make it work again. Ah. We gotta make it work again. <laughs> they got RJC this two times in his life. Um, Twice. Because he knows the songs. He's familiar. He's re- rehearsed. He's off book, in off fact. Book. Mm. On, on, on Jingle Jingle. In fact, so much so, let me tell you, Molly, he did not take a note. I did not. He said, not for me. I won't take Mm-mm. a note because I did a whole podcast about it. RJ has already done a podcast about this film. I know. <laughs> Bearing the lead. I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll explain more in a little bit. Okay. Um, Molly, it's been a few weeks. RJ's been to the Philippines and back. He's still jet lagged. How are you yeah. doing? We don't well, care about I'm... RJ. How are you doing? Yeah. Unimportant to hear about any of his trip. I'm going to Uno reverse card that question because Rita informed me the last time that we talked that she feels like there is this like great um, lingering question on the podcast because you two question? talked about the fact that you were looking at apartments, oh. but you never updated us oh. about no, living on the where street. you moved. We're living on the street. Um, oh, we're living in a tent. Okay, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering gorgeous. what the background there, but it's yeah. got yeah. sixteen square feet. Um, he needs stunning polyurethane. What Frigi- does he need? Frigi- his, his toy because it's stuck under the bar. I will. Excuse I will. Me. Yeah. So it's funny because when we recorded nine, we were already in our new apartment, and we I guess we didn't discuss about it. Yes, yeah, so we've moved to a new apartment. We are in the uptown neighborhood. It's a very nice building. It was. It's uh, like a. Not refurbished. What is the word? Gutted and renovated. Gutted and renovated, like building mm. that they turn into it's apartments. It's like an old warehouse. Oh, that's cool. very nice. Do you but... want to give everyone your address real quick? They're lofts. Yeah, <laughs> they're the Clark. Yeah. They're the lofts on Clark. Um, beep, 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 beep. It's a small, Clark's, Clark's a small. Street. Clark's a small street, but Clark is famously a small street in Chicago. Mm, yeah, short, short, short street. street. Not yeah. short street. Yeah, yeah. Not the Wrigley Field for sure. We're actually at Wrigley. Field. We are in Wrigley Field. That's where it is. We live in Wrigley. Yeah. We don't live in Are you happy with your new apartment? I think is the real question. Yes. Cody I... just asked me this today. Oh, because cool. I drove my our realtor that we used to find us the apartment. He, I drove him to an office party today, and he said, "How do you like it?" And I said, "The or we technically drove past our old apartment, and so he was like, "What do you miss?" Oh. And I said, "The one thing I miss is the size of the bedroom." Because mm. mm. right now it really is just the bedroom. It is and just the, the bed and the closet. See, but, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I prefer that because I'm a like, in my ideal world, I want to just use my bedroom for sleep, yeah. sleeping on bed. Sure. You know what I mean? So like, I don't want room for anything else. I want more room in the living room so that I can do like my office, my sitting, well, like put yes, all of that out in the living either. space. So. I I agree with that sentiment. I think like, because on our last apartment, we had a huge bedroom that I felt we, I felt we had a bedroom that was equal they square footage to the living to room. The living room. They, like, oh. just it was just it like a wall in the middle so i felt the need to like do like have more things in the bedroom because there was just room for it but back in orlando the bedroom was just the bedroom that's true that's true so and that's kind of how i prefer it too but, but honestly everything else maybe the elevator that's the only other thing i mm. miss because yeah. i hate walking upstairs what floor are you on we're only on three but they're all lofts mm. so we're so. really on like the fourth floor in a real world situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it kind of sucks but I'm getting better. 
I don't have to take an inhaler puff every time every I go time. upstairs now. Just sometimes. Just sometimes. Yeah. So it's good. Getting in your steps for the day. So Rita, there's your update. It's, we're doing great. We're doing great. She appreciates I, it. I think the only thing is that because it is a new building, everyone is a new tenant. So they're still like, everyone's figuring out how loud we can be. How mm-hmm. Dogs, mm-hmm. all the dogs are still getting used to it. So there's still a lot of barking happening. Yeah. Um, just stuff like that, that I think, you know, will just come with time. Yeah. Yeah. Molly, how is San Diego? She's gorgeous. She's stunning. She's gorgeous. She's 60 degrees in December. Uh, that is gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. That is absolutely gorgeous because here it is a lovely, oh, I don't have my widget. It hasn't been too bad. I have to say it's currently 39. Which 39. Bad. For December. Is bitter? The bitter cold doesn't usually. <laughs> Excuse me. So S- just talks now. Yeah. Um, the, the bitter cold doesn't usually happen until like. January, February. Yeah. January, February. Yeah, that's true. I was also, I was chatting today with someone who had done her like grad training in the Midwest. And I was telling her that I would much rather do winter in Wisconsin and Minnesota than Chicago, Chicago because Chicago is way more gray in the winter. Yeah, that's true. And that's what really gets me is the lack of sunlight more so than the cold or the snow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It is true. Um, living in the South, you don't, you don't get this as much. You get it a little bit, but not as much as people in the North. The sun is setting. The sun is going to sleep. The sun is not performing. She's... <laughs> She's she clocked out early. She clocks she yeah. out early. She clocked out at 4.12 today. 4.12? And it's not yeah. the 21st of December yet. So we're not even at the shortest day of the sure year. Sure um, It's a We little... need to talk to her manager about putting her on a performance improvement plan. Absolutely. Thank you. And I hate to be caring about this, but like, honestly, I need to speak to the manager. Because yeah. what are we doing? I'm not getting vitamin D. I mean, I'm getting vitamin D, but I'm not getting vitamin D. Do you know what I mean, Molly? <laughs> So, I don't. I don't. You need to explain that joke to me. I absolutely <laughs> don't understand what that means. So we're we're in a feud with the sun. I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, it'll be better when the sun is bigger, and by that I mean when it's <laughs> yeah, when it's about science. to explode when, and, the, yeah. and the Earth oh, is yeah. gonna be done. Because oh, then yeah. we'll know how much. You know, there'll be a comfort in knowing how much time there is left. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's the certainty. It. You get it. Absolutely yeah. get it. Thank you. <laughs> the girls who get it. Get it. We have to move on. We have to move on. No, we have to move on. (laughs) Oh, actually, this is our Christmas episode. So, what are you doing for Christmas? Are you going back to Minnesota? Are you staying in? I am. I'm going to go to the cabin up in northern Wisconsin. So that'll be great. So I'm going to get back into the snow just for a little holiday dip. Where? Like North Wisconsin border to Minnesota, or like the border? It's it's near Hayward, which you probably don't know where that is, but some people listening might. It's so it's like uh, three hours north east of the cities of the twin mm, cities nice. so it's a good distance from the oh, twin cities sure. so it's like five hours from madison so it's a little is it, on, it was like a little it, too long to really do is it. it on michigan or superior or no 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 not oh, on a great like lake in the woods. so yeah yeah yeah. so it's further east from superior i actually don't know that you're i don't think you're north enough for superior and mm-hmm. it's further east so it's north of door county which is the famous wisconsin county that's like the peninsula into mid lake michigan it's but so it's on the western part of Wisconsin. It's east from uh, Minnesota. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. So I think Door might be north, but it's yeah, it's too yeah. far east to be. At, it's east of Superior, but it's not east west. enough to be at. But it's still west of Michigan. Ontario. 
Which one is that? It's still west of Michigan. No, yeah, absolutely. Girl, all the other ones happen on the other side of Michigan. You don't need to worry about Door the is, other ones. Door is... Door County? Yeah. Are you talking about it's lakes or counties? Peninsula. What are you talking about? Door is like a peninsula on Lake Michigan. Yes, into Lake is Michigan. It, is it Michigan that Door is on? Yeah, yes. that's what I'm talking about. Jeez, Adam. <laughs> don't gaslight me. How dare you? Geography. <laughs> on Christmas, too. Not her major. Not her major. <laughs> Gaslighting me on Christmas? <laughs> How dare this How comes dare. out on the 15th, so I don't care. How do you think Charles Dickens would feel right now? He's, he'd, he'd feel great. In his grave. <laughs> he'd feel great. <laughs> he did. There were a lot of gas lamps around his time. There care. were. It's yeah. in fact and very you know famous. And no one talks about it, I feel like. I think no one talks about it. That's what we're going to talk about it. I think it's a featured part of A Muppet Christmas Carol is gas lamps. I think uh, Rizzo the Rat lights <laughs> and puts out the gas lamps in A, a Muppet Christmas Carol. I have seen that, now, that in a long time is a movie musical and we're gonna get to it listeners we you should, don't, don't you worry we should write it down for next christmas because i so i love a christmas carol because my family would go see it every year yes. at Guthrie, mm. as many city almost every city has their theater company yes. the carol. but i don't we don't really have a definitive film version and i, I read an article do. one time i hate to say it i think we do muppets is the is the definitive version it is and yeah. can i tell you even without researching this can i tell you yeah. why it is the definitive Please. Christmas carol because Michael Caine plays Scrooge. Okay, mm-hmm. we love, first of all, legend. legend. I think yeah, it's Sir Michael Caine. I think he's literally knighted. Probably. Um, he went in and um, famously, A Muppet's Christmas Carol was directed by uh, um, Jim Henson's son after Jim Henson had passed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he had taken over the company. And Michael Caine was casted, was cast, I'm sorry. Casted. Cast yeah. as Scrooge. And he went in and he said, I think his name's Brian Henson. Fact check me. His Doug he went into said to Brian, I bel- I am going to play this like we are all members of the Royal Shakespeare Company. I am not going to interact with any of these characters as though they are Muppets. They are Muppets. I'm going to interact with everybody as though they are actors. And Brian was like, Yes, that's what we want you to do. Yeah. And I think that is the reason when people believe that the Muppets are real, that's where the magic happens. Was it Brian Hudson? Brian Perfect. Hudson. Thank you. Um, what a great clue on a trivia bar trivia game. And oh. let me tell you, I watched it. Did we watch it last year or two years ago? We watched it like the first year. First pandemic. Yeah. First year pandemic. First season. For pandemic season one. Season one. Pilot, pilot season. Pilot season. Pandemic. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. We were still um, trying it out. You know? Right, right, right. Um, Leslie Nope was still not her normal <laughs> self. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And it really does hold up and it's very good. And um the songs actually are very good too so i feel I, like i really think i think this is our plural songs is our okay i feel like listeners that haven't year. seen jingle jangle are probably listening thinking that we're gonna be like we didn't like the movie and that's why we're avoiding talking about it but let no. me say amazing we love jingle jangle we're really <laughs> oh, excited to talk about it i don't it. think molly speaks for me in that regard but like okay but i, I love that molly loves jingle jangle i would you say you did watch it with the right audience I watched you, it with the right audience. You did. I watched it with true. my nephews. But also, I feel like I don't have a big stable of Christmas movies that I love personally. Mm-hmm. And I would be true. happy to watch this. Well, ever since you found again. out that Meet Me in St. Louis wasn't of an actual family favorite, you know. Ever just since just... I learned that Rita's <laughs> right. actually never seen Meet Me in St. Louis and there's <laughs> just yeah. really a fever dream. I need the Iron more Curtain Christmas fell. movies. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. This week, it is my turn to mm. explain. And I hate to say it. This Summarize. is a very <laughs> complex, Explain. complex, mansplain. I don't quite understand why you feel like it's such a complex explanation of it, but 
I just have a lot of moving parts in order to figure out why everything happens, if that makes sense. Well, I'll let me, you know what? But that's not the, you know, that's not the challenge of the summary. The challenge of the summary is just a, and I would know as. Can I, can we try a a summary challenge, which is (laughs) I haven't looked at what you wrote and I'm going to see if I can summarize it quicker first and then we'll go to Adam. No, no, no. Let's do, let's read mine and then you take a look at it in the notes while I go and then you tell me what I should edit out. Okay. Because I really did read through it two times to be like, is there anything I can edit? And like, there are some adjectives that I probably could have been like, who cares? And we all know that the law is you can only read things two times to edit them. That's the list. That's true. Yeah. That's in the editorial journal of science. Mm. Science is a big part of this movie. I am drunk <laughs> on this episode. I hate to tell you. Um, can somebody start my minute, please? Okay, sure. Adam, this is your one-minute summary of Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, and your time starts now. Geronicus Jangle invents a toy called Don Juan, which is a sentient action figure that is also a matador. Upon learning that he will be mass-produced and believing he is too unique for that, Don Juan tricks Jangle's assistant, Gustafson, into stealing him and all of Jangle's other blueprints for inventions. This turns Jangle's once impressive shop to a pawnbroker's, not to mention his brilliant mind reduced to simply fixing other people's broken objects while Gustafson has a thriving business. After a span of 30 years, during which his wife dies and his inventor daughter gives up and moves away, disconnected from her father he has invited his granddaughter named journey to stay with him for christmas however the timing is not ideal as the bank is going to foreclose his business because he is so behind on his rent and bills journey and jangle initially do not get along but eventually begin to sow seeds of familiarity specifically through a snowball fight meanwhile gustafson has run out of jangle's plans and his own ideas still don't work correctly placing him in a predicament as he needs a new toy for the upcoming christmas holiday he figures out that there is a secret invention that Jangle's daughter Jessica invented as a girl still stowed away in Jangle's workshop named Buddy but he needs belief in order to work. He steals Buddy but Journey breaks into Gustafson's workshop in order to get Buddy back. Finally Gustafson is thwarted by the signature of the plans for Buddy being signed in blacklight ink belonging to Jeronicus Jangle and Don Juan is powered down for good. The bonds between Jangle and the rest of the family are mended and the shop is seemingly to be returned to its former glory as the best toy shop in the world. That was a minute and 35. Yeah, I, I I, don't know. I genuinely, like, plot point-wise, it did feel I like I just you... think you're getting bogged down in, like, yeah. specific details. Yeah, if... I didn't even include last... that he was a matador? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's what I'm saying. Weird. The fact that he's a matador is visually not interesting, but not essential to the plot. Okay. I'm trying to remember. What was so the that last... would save me 3.5 seconds. I just was... think, like, like, you know, like, ultimately, just be like... He gives up. He's in financial trouble. His granddaughter comes. She discovers a toy of his. Oh, I mean, if you want you know to do it I mean? that way, here, time me, oh, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm okay, trying to say. And the, uh, your time starts now. Geronicus Jangle is an inventor who has invented all the greatest toys in the world. His assistant steals all of his ideas and his most popular toy away from him. Over the course of 30 years, Geronicus' uh, family has died and or moved on from him. Um, eventually, Gustafson tries to steal his latest toy invention or his last toy invention back but uh in the end it doesn't work out for gustafson and geronicus wins i mean really that's sure that's the plot but that's yeah. like the plot of any film and in yet, which the good guy wins i don't really know if that's specific yeah. enough but i mean like if you if he's you, a toy inventor if you added journey in that you in the like 20 seconds that you still have left then that's it and then journey's yeah. his granddaughter mm-hmm. period period <laughs> 
Hiriot. And she is, and she is famously the square root of impossibility. Yeah, we are of the impossible. Talk about that. We are going to have to talk about math. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't like math, if you don't like math, if you don't like math, ooh, it's deep in the math. This one, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like, listen, I probably could have done better, but I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not getting paid for this. If someone wants to sponsor me, I'll work very a lot harder on this. Yeah. So that's an that's incentive it, yeah. to investors. We're gonna start threatening our listeners. Yes. <laughs> We're not gonna do a better job yes. until one of you You're pays us be to do this podcast. So bad. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll get them. RJ. I've learned about capitalism in the few few months since I've gotten out of academia, and it's it's rough out here. We got to threaten people. Molly, I love that you think that academia exists outside of capitalism. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's gorgeous. <laughs> I love your delusion. <laughs> um, <laughs> RJ, you famously have talked about this on record already you have recorded an entire i believe 36 and a half minute episode <sighs> dedicated to this film on the Ampleverse youtube channel um <sighs> you can find it who are you talking to in it i don't remember so i talked was. to my friend ryan uh he and i watched this movie jingle jangle for our podcast uh i had i had a one season podcast called the popsicle where i just like talk about things that i like in pop culture and then, you know, talk about this, what's sweet about it and what's sticky about it. And uh, one of the episodes was Jingle Jangle. And at the time that I had watched it, I genuinely had like a very positive like reaction. I was like, yeah, this is like a very cute, I, like this could be a movie that like very viable. It could be like a Christmas like tradition to watch this movie. Um, it was very fun. I thought the A modern Christmas classic. Yeah. I thought the the... It was very visually appealing. I thought the cast was like stellar, um, and except for one, <laughs> and we had we had a great time watching it. There were obviously like some parts that were like, okay, you know, because it's still a kind of like you know a children's movie musical. There's still some stuff that I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense, or sure. you didn't really need this character, but um, stuff like that. But overall, like a positive experience. Great, Molly. What you watch this movie for the first time? I'm Wait, assuming? I I need oh. to go back to RJ for a second because you yeah. said that like that was my first time watching and you're setting up the second time watching was very different. Not necessarily. I think it was just more like I watched the, the second time I watched it. It was just like because I knew all the beats already that I it, it didn't you're have more the, tuned. Yes, and uh, not that Adam was like pessimistic when he was watching it, but he did lose a little bit of the Christmas magic while watching it. Mm. And so I was kind of just like, just hang, just keep watching. I just, can't believe that you're see. letting us down as our Christmas guy right now, Anna. <laughs> Me? Know. Yeah. yeah. We're relying true. on you to love how saccharine this movie was, and you're not that, showing up for it. And I think that's... I think it's... I think there is a specific difference and that this movie is not saccharine, but it is twee. Mm. And we will get into that. Mm. Molly, okay. I'd okay. love to know what your thoughts, um, or your, I, I'm sorry, your history with this movie was. Yeah. Relationship. I'd never seen it. I think I kind of had the impression that it wasn't all that good. I don't know why, but just like the way that you kind of pick up headlines of things yeah. or whatever. I thought that maybe it hadn't been well received, but it totally was. It was. Um, yeah, yeah. I watched it, as I mentioned, with my nephews who are two and a half and seven. Cute. It was family movie night this Aww. past Friday. We turned on the fireplace. We did Jingle Jangle uh, and it slapped. Went over really well. My it, brother said, great choice after we finished the movie. The Nielsen awesome. ratings were high. The in Nielsen your ratings for this household were 
seven out of seven. I don't, I don't, know. I don't, know. I don't know the numbers. I don't know what they're rating them out of, but through the roof. I think it's actually just viewership and not not rating. Not rating. Other people so liked bad. it, but perfect uh, score in this household. <laughs> Well, Amazing. I also, like Molly, I had never seen this movie. RJ had weirdly watched this fully without me. Famously in Orlando, Adam worked till like 11 p.m. And worked mm. a she lot. Worked. So I was like, I'm just going to watch this. So I'm not going to wait for you. Okay, Adam, what's your relationship with Jangle? The Jangles. With Jangles. <laughs> the Jingles. Well, I had never seen this movie. Um, RJ had watched this without me for his podcast. Um, because I was probably busy or something. Um, I remember you being positive on it. I just like didn't watch it. Follow I don't up. know. I don't. I probably because I was like, well, I want to watch it with you, but you had already seen it, so I didn't feel like I wanted to make oh. you watch it again. So it's my fault. It is RJ's fault, famously. Um, as the nemesis of the pod. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have <laughs> much relationship. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> our foil. I mean, <laughs> this is we can get into a little bit of like the Netflix of it all, where things just like mm. wash past culture. Yeah, exactly. So like, it, there's I, so much that if you don't pick it up when it is hot on when the trailer drops, or you happen to be on a social media platform when a trailer drops, it's it's not in your it's not in your radar. If it's not in if it's not in your algorithm, you're never gonna see this movie. Someone um, could really like make a platform for themselves by being like the netflix archivist or something that like creates a resource sure. that lets people like remember the stuff that was good could be interesting maybe missed you know what i mean like mm -hmm. or obviously like, someone could just make a wikipedia list but i think something more engaging than that yeah or like what npr does every year with their book concierge where it's like you enter their recommendations enter like keywords that you may have or like mm. a thing that you like and then netflix will like i know it has that randomizer thing but if there was a thing that it was like these are five things that you could watch right but now, the problem is, is i think whatever. netflix technically already does that with its algorithm automatically so books don't have an algorithm for them to like yeah recommend shit to you but but netflix does so i think that okay so i think the big problem we're taking down netflix baby yeah i i they don't have goal, something that we're tearing goals down for 2023 absolutely here's the thing here's <laughs> last year for our christmas episode we also we watched also a netflix, netflix christmas movie so they are giving what the girls aren't giving which is christmas movies but i think you'll agree with me both of you that the <laughs> the well, maybe amount <laughs> that it feels though netflix put into this movie is very different from the amount that they put into dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> they were going for different things though to be fair they are yeah. going for different things they're very different tones they're um, maybe not totally different tones. i don't know that they're... the director of christmas on the square was like in their lobbying netflix's office being like i have this idea I for a set to. piece that i need you to fund <laughs> exactly but it feels like Post both of those films, I think we've had a, an equal amount of time from both of those films debuting on Netflix mm -hmm. that neither of them have stuck in the cultural consciousness. And mm -hmm. one makes sense. Like Christmas on the Square doesn't seem like it was made on a massive budget. So it doesn't seem like Netflix put that much into marketing in it, blah, 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 blah. If you look up Jingle Jangle, there is a ton of marketing that Netflix tried to do for this film. They had the director like interview with a bunch of different um journalistic publications like there's a lot of information that you can find about this movie that i could not find out if you remember from jingle jingle there was like nothing on the background of christmas on the square i'm sorry um whereas this one did have a little bit more and yet i still feel like there is no cultural touchstone for this film yeah. which like is very strange because i do think 
for the general public, this film should really work. It almost feels like it should have had a theatrical release. Well, it did. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I think it's a great time to talk about the background, the background of this film. Oh my God. Thank you. So Jingle Jangle, the title, the full title, first of all, enough with these titles. The full title is Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. It's it's these titles as if it's It could like just a, be Jingle Jangle. Is it just SEO that they're like, someone's going to be searching for Christmas on Netflix next year and I like need this to come I up? Absolutely. I absolutely. But there's no that. way that they haven't tagged Jingle Jangle as Christmas in general. Yeah, but maybe also for own. like other, like outside of no, the Google Netflix platform sure. yeah. for Googling it or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It's... It seems like it reveals a lack of confidence that 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 association will be quite clear to people. 100% that is it. I believe that completely because Jingle Jangle, there, if you said the words Jingle Jangle to me and I didn't immediately associate it with Christmas, (laughs) I'm having a stroke. That's what I'm saying. I think Jingle, 100%. Jingle is not a word you hear outside of a Christmas context ever. Jingle. Jingle, Now, Jingle. Maybe a little less. She's giving change in your pocket. A little more um, amorphous, yeah. a little more sure. She's giving Southern chicken restaurants. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's my annoyance with Jingle Jingle. Um, the A Christmas Journey, the full title. I'm That's the last time I'm going to say that full title. It is directed and written by David, David E. Talbert. So he started writing this in 1998. Wow. And yeah. he originally envisioned this as a stage production. Which I find mm-hmm. very interesting, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about it later. But he originally like envisioned... a Wicked almost. It, that's kind of yeah, because steampunk. Yeah, steampunk N- is gears. a theme in both gears. Um, or maybe not a theme, but like a, a device, an no. aesthetic, a, an aesthetic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but he did not fully complete his screen or his like his whatever of it mm-hmm. until um he had a kid. Because then he was like, oh, I feel, I feel like I more fully understand how children react to external influence and like their I think we read the and... same article when I first recorded that. Because <laughs> I, remember, I remember that quote too. Now it's produced by his wife, Lynn Sisson Talbert. Oh. We stand. She's Diana produced Dino. everything he's ever done. A supportive. A supportive woman, Molly. You know, and you know what? And you know what Lynn Sisson Talbert sings every morning? She goes, my husband. Make some movies. <laughs> Make some movies. I was just listening to the nine episode today, so mm, it's makes sense. Hot and hot in my mind. It's also produced by David E. Talbert, Kristen Burr, John Legend, Mike Jackson, and David McIlvain. John Legend. John Legend. Mm-hmm. You know him. Uh, yeah, recurring, recurring star. It stars Forrest Whitaker as Ger- older Geronicus Jangle. Present. No, not present. Madeline Mills as young. Journey, mm-hmm. Keegan Michael Key as Gus- older <laughs> Gustafson, Hugh Bonneville as Mr. Delacroix, uh, Anika Noni Rose as older Jessica Jangle, uh, Felicia Rashad as older Journey. Spoiler alert: Lisa Davina Phillip as Ms. Johnston, who is the best character. So good, so good, so good. And Ricky Martin plays Don Juan Diego. A matter. No, we have to remember. He a is a matador, matador toy. Don. Yeah. Yeah. I do also want to say just quickly that I feel like the like line between Geronicus to Jessica to Journey is like 
such a acceleration of how naming conventions have changed over uh, yes. historical periods that they yeah. went like 1850 to like 1990 <laughs> to 2022. It was like, that was the, that was the speed at they which want, these names changed. There is a theme yeah. in the script of this film that I think is like annoying. And that is part of it. Um, cinematography oh, is by, <laughs> you're coming off hot for I this just, movie. Like, My God. I think it's overthought. I think is the, pro- okay, I'll get mm, it. Okay. Cinematography is by Remy, uh, Adefarison. Um, I'm sorry for mispronouncing that probably. Um, it is edited by Michael Tronic or Joe Dalga, uh, Joe Galdo and Virginia Katz. The music. And by that, I mean, the score is by John Debney. Production companies are Golden Girl, Brill Scene Entertainment Partners, Burr Productions, Get Lifted Film Company, 260 Degrees Entertainment. We got a lot mm-hmm. of production companies. We got a lot of chefs in the kitchen. Oh. It is distributed by Netflix. Its release date is November 13th, 2020. So dead in the middle of pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, running time is 122 minutes, which I think is fascinating. Hmm. Um, and we have no budget because famously, famously it's Netflix. Netflix doesn't say anything. Famously a streamer. Mm-hmm. They say we don't know how much it was made for, and we don't know we, what it makes. We kind of just like you know, it's all. Eth- we didn't even look at it. We're no. not worried. We're not worried. We're losing no. subscribers. We don't care. We <laughs> yeah. don't care. There is the the YouTube channel for Netflix for like their trailers and stuff. It's called Still Watching Netflix, which I think is so funny because I'm sure it's a reference to like if you watch a lot of episodes mm-hmm. at once, are you still and it watching? says like, are you still watching? Mm-hmm. But now that there's been news about them struggling with subscribers, still watching Netflix, every time I see it, it makes me think like, some of us are still watching Netflix, okay? <laughs> you, could, you could still be watching this. Yeah. I'm still watching it, okay? <laughs> it's cool to watch Netflix. Yeah. I'm still watching. It's ironic now. Um, I get like, why are they losing subscribers? Is it just because everyone already has a stream? And there's like, so it's many just services. I've said this to yeah. people before that I'm, I use my That's parents' true. Netflix sign-in. Yeah. Uh, if I were starting from scratch today, have I don't you, know that Netflix. Have you is one I would always used your yeah. Netflix or your parents' Netflix? You've never yes, had your. Own. I've never had my own okay. Netflix account. Yeah, I have had my own Netflix account since 2011. Yeah, Adam or 20. Hey, I guess you're way more grown up than me. I get it. Okay. Adam's a voting body in the. Do Netflix you know why board. I got Netflix? Can I tell you? Because you're a responsible citizen. No, I wish. <laughs> um, because in 2010, don't, don't say Glee. No. Ew. In 2010, there had been a PBS Broadway documentary narrated by Julie, Julie Andrews. Andrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and remember. you could get the DVDs through Netflix. This was back when, like, that was yes. the basic plan. Yeah, streaming was also like almost like not a, th- a part of it. No. Um. So I got I got the free month, and then da- and then like had the DVDs shipped to me, so I could watch all of the Broadway doc Broadway PBS documentary. AK also it's great. I don't know if I mean it's probably there's probably some like historical gaps now mm-hmm. just because of when it was filmed, but it's a really great documentary. Um and that's when I got Netflix and then I just never got rid of it. So we are so, going on wait, 12 years. I think I remember is it 2012? 2010. 2010. I was I was still a freshman, yeah. Yeah, cuz I feel like I had Netflix as I a freshman have... for the streaming. It yes. may have been 2011 to. because I think I didn't have a like, roommate when I got it. It was like in the spring. Because okay. I remember, and yeah. I, I must have used Martin, my roommate's Netflix. I remember our TV had Netflix. Because mm-hmm. I remember the first thing I ever watched was the Sondheim birthday concert yes. with the lady in, ah. ladies in red. Yes. I feel like I watched Downton Abbey on Netflix. 
potentially. I have a memory of being in I, my freshman dorm room watching Downton Abbey. Molly, I thought on Netflix. Molly, I have a memory of being in your freshman dorm room watching the pilot of Downton Abbey you on your laptop. You cannot tell people that I let you be in my freshman dorm room. Adam, the rumors are going to be the worst. And the world. then we fucked. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't good for either of us. I hate to tell you. <laughs> um, no, but so, yeah. I I mean, like, it's weird being the age in which everything was happening while we were in college. Yeah. Yeah, all historical events all started historical in events 2010. 2010. Nothing interesting happened before that. That was no, really wild. The Arab Spring. Um, I mean, it's wild. Uh, Osama Bin Laden died. It's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so stupid. I... I wanted to say something else before this, but we've gotten so far off track that I don't know anymore. You think we've gotten off track? Was it Netflix? Was it Netflix? <laughs> was it Netflix uh, related? Oh, related. I was going to say, Rita and Steve are devastated that Netflix is apparently going to do away with the DVDs now. They're officially going to stop oh, that part of the business. I haven't seen that. Wow. Because up at the cabin, we don't have good enough internet to stream. <gasps> so they rely so on the DVDs. On the yeah. D- so yet again, rural communities being cut off access. No, yeah. no high-speed broadband do something infrastructure infrastructure biden it's funny because when we moved to so adam adam has a huge dvd collection mostly disney films that we brought over to orlando and when we were leaving orlando chicago we were downsizing my mom was like i got these so in every still had kangaroo jack (laughs) a movie that i've never seen and so when i went to the philippines and went to my mom's like the the retirement home the, the the home that they've built since they retired i was like oh adam's entire DVD collection is. I was right here. You're She's welcome. Like, yeah. So you're saying Rita so, should hand write a letter to your mom in the Philippines and say, "Would have, you mail us a Disney have, DVD? We'll absolutely. get it back to you in six weeks." You might. Yeah, we'll have the moms connect. Absolutely. You, maybe That's my the most mom, efficient way I can imagine for her I them to watch so a movie. Too. So yeah, no better yeah. way. You know, DVDs There's are no hard better. to come by. Yeah. Um, it's a thirty-six dollars shipping fee from the Philippines to Minnesota, <laughs> but, but I think it's, but it's worth it. Yeah, from rural Philippines to rural uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> um, and it's a six-week endeavor. <laughs> it's got to go um, on many boats. Many boats. <laughs> Lots of boats. <laughs> Fresh off the boat. Um, the song, I noticed when I was reading my thing, I didn't say who the songs who were songs written by. Are, yeah. Songs are written by John Legend and Philip Lawrence. Okay. Hmm. Um, I don't know who Philip Lawrence is, but John Legend. John Legend, we know. That makes sense. Philip Lawrence has written a bunch of Bruno Mars songs. Like a oh. bunch of okay, okay. Also, I'm so sorry. Did I even read? Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> I don't remember the name. I'm so sorry. I thought it was in my little screen cap. The choreographer is the same choreographer as Greatest Showman. So oh. I just need to state that before we get into this. And okay. I think, Molly, now you're getting pieces of like Adam's. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all thoughts. really just, it's taking the hit for Greatest Showman. It's a... Uh, friendly fire something like that i can't <laughs> think of like what that. the metaphor is but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's definitely... ashley wallen yes he, that sound a, man, right? a man yes yes that's a, it is a man named ashley Correct. a man's named ashley which i love that's great um so we did not this did not premiere in uh, technically it premiered in like three theaters but we were in 2020 it was the pandemic there was no it's not even worth talking about the box office 
it's yeah, really interesting. not worth yeah. talking about. Yeah, 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 I yeah. wonder I wonder how much the theatrical release plan was impacted by the pandemic versus just being a Netflix movie. Oh, right. Like would it have if if anything if nothing happened, would it have had I can tell you exactly Christmas. why they put it in theaters. Because okay. Netflix really only does this if they want to run it for awards. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to run this for best best song. Okay. Oh, um, which one? Yes. Her square root of impossible. Yes. Oh. Goodness. Um, okay. Which That's is funny because the one that the Oscar, the Academy ended up saying was on their shortlist, shortlist. was Make It Work. Make It Work. Because. But it did not get nominated. But it was on their shortlist. Yeah. It's a much better song. Okay. So instead of Academy Awards, because it was not nominated for any Academy Awards, it was not nominated for any global uh, Golden Globe Awards, and it was not nominated for any Razzies, which are typically the three that I use to pull nomination situations from. From movie musicals. Here's yeah. what I went with this year, because we've never done this before. These are the nominations and awards given to Jingle Jingle from the NAACP Awards. So um, it was nominated for Outstanding Motion Picture, Outstanding Actor in a Motion Picture for Forrest Whitaker, Outstanding Actress in a Motion Picture for Madeline Mills, who plays Journey, Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture for both Anika Noni Rose and then Felicia Rashad won, which is crazy because I think she has like six and a half minutes of screen time. Um, outstanding breakthrough performance in a motion picture, uh, Madeline Mills won. So she was the breakthrough performance of the year. Yeah. Totally deserved. Totally deserved. She's wonderful yeah. in this film. Uh, outstanding ensemble cast and motion picture nomination. Outstanding soundtrack compilation album nomination. Outstanding writing in a motion picture and outstanding direction in a motion picture, both for David E. Talbert, was nominated. They did not win. So the only two that were run, that one, were Felicia Rashad and Madeline Mills. Mills. Okay. Great. I don't that. know what other films it was up against, so it's hard to say. 2020 was a wild bonkers year yeah. in terms of cinema because this yeah. was also the year where like the Oscars ran from like January to I think Feb like March, March. of the next year. Like it was it was the very Oscars strange. were on like April. Yeah. Yes. So it's just a it's a very funky time in cinem- cinematic history. This is all the information I have about the background of the film. I have nothing else. I have nothing else to talk about. Um I mean I can tell you that it was filmed in England. So that's interesting, I guess. There's a town where they use the like historic storefronts. Um, so you can go there if you really like this movie. And you can be like, I'm going to also have a snowball fight in the middle of this town yes. and feel like I'm in Jingle Jingle. It's a pretty cute town. I, would, I wouldn't like go to England for that. But if I, somebody were like, if I was visiting the UK and someone was like, like, hey, hey this is like 30 time. minutes away by train. Do you want to go check it out? I would for sure do it. Isn't yeah. everything there 30 minutes by train? <laughs> I believe you know I mean? so. I think that that's part of the laws it's, of the country. Is it's that like the size of Rhode minutes. Island. Like it's yeah. not even a real country. Yeah. This is my this is my conspiracy theory is that England's not real. This is my deep conspiracy theory um, on the Harry Potter podcast that I do is that it's not a real place. I think that there's a lot of people who've been extremely oppressed by that country who probably would beg to differ on that. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, are you talking about physical landmass? Are you talking about exists, the government? Molly. Are you talking, are you saying gaslighting doesn't exist? Is that what you're trying to say? Because <laughs> it's really inconsiderate of those who've been gaslit to say that. Yeah, Molly. <laughs> Molly. On this podcast <laughs> right now in this podcast. minute. So anyway, that's the point is, that's all I have. I don't really have any more information. Um, if you find any on your own, congrats. But or let us know. Send us an email. It looks like we're almost email. an hour in and haven't started discussing our thoughts <laughs> in the film yet. So We're right on time. I think we can, we're fair to wrap it at this we, point. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about Jingle Jangle colon A Christmas Journey. You said it was going to be the last time, last time, and you you lied. But here, and you know what? 
Men lie. Men lie. <laughs> I, I yeah, hate... Speak your piece. Speak your piece. I did not dislike this movie. I have to be very clear. I liked this more than I liked um, Jamie. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Okay. Um, I think this is so visually rich. Mm-hmm. Every... I'd say it's biggest strength. Every maybe. yes, every frame of this movie is so sumptuous and so vibrant, beautiful and vibrant, and like exactly what you want for a children's Christmas film. Yeah, mm-hmm. perfect. No notes there. I have problems with the the thing. I I I just okay. So I have to I have to step back for a minute. I just okay, sorry. I have to go. I have <laughs> to leave. Away. I'm getting so emotional. I just recently saw Elf the Musical. Okay. Oh, on that's stage. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, another famous buddy. Another famous buddy. Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Robot. Buddy the Robot. Who's the more famous buddy? That's the real question. Um, and I think that my problem with both of them is that they weirdly are ripping off uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh my god. And by that I mean where all of this is where? coming from. This no, is no, no, no. This is not this is not that? this is not the or origination. No, this no, is what no. I discovered today. <laughs> I think I have specific qualms with this movie that I will talk about later. <laughs> but Molly, we've been duped. This is he spent an you, hour. I've done this podcast with you for two years. With the understanding that you were making these arguments in good faith. And now this is a good you're faith revealing argument. to me that that's what all of this has been about. This whole... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, Linda, listen. So, um, as an adult... Okay, so I watched... Obviously, we talked about it earlier, but... Or, by earlier, I mean the episode where we talked about Ray Poppins. But I watched Ray Poppins many years ago. And... As an ad- it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that the actual story is about a father mending his relationship with his children. Okay. And both So you're elf- gonna say that every movie that's about a father mending his relationship with his children are just rip rip offs of Mary Poppins? That's your theory? Well when the director that's the movie that invented that when concept? the director and writer directly references in an interview Mary Poppins, then yeah, I'm going to say that. Because it's a classic film that one would draw upon for something like a yeah, Christmas it's not movie, a but it didn't off. invent but the not, idea wait, 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 of wait, wait, wait. No, no, a relationship no, 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 no. with a father. Go back. Why? All what dads it... were totally cool before Mary Poppins <laughs> came out, and it invented toxic relationships with father figures. What does Mary Poppins, the original film, have to do with a classic Christmas story, Molly Matiney? Because it is a wholesome family movie, family and so movie. it is the type of film one would reference when thinking about wholesome family movies. I'm not saying Mary Poppins is a Christmas movie. Seemed like that's what you were saying. Oh my god! Well, you were correct. <laughs> well, I think you need to word your sentences better. I think you need to stop making assumptions about what other people are trying to say in their communication, and you should ask them questions straight up to follow up the way that you just did. In fact, in order to learn information about my intention in the statement that I made. So more on that. Anyway, I think my hmm. my annoyance, and I think it's just like, I I think. I listen as a person who has a fraught relationship with his father. Uh, I can speak to the fact that it is it is a it is a overflowing well for for playwrights to draw from. I think that's great. Um, I just wish it did it a little more sophisticated, or 
Yeah, I think just sophisticated. I think it's just like a little too... There's something about children's musicals that I think people go, oh, it's just a children's musical. And RJ said the same thing to me yesterday. He was like, it's just a kid's movie. And I was like, but that doesn't mean you don't have to like think about it. And I think there is a, and I will, I, I will say about this movie, I think there's a, a there's ton a lot, of thought put into yeah, this film. Yes. I think there's so much thought put into like the production standpoint and the costuming and the like hairstyling of this film. And I think just in general, like the representation of this film is so important. Blah, 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 blah. But I think there's like a little bit of like the the story of the film is like and and so we'll just make it all this thing, but then we'll just keep like the classic Christmas or family insert here story. And I think it's a little bit underserved because it's not as baked. I think there are parts of this film that are really good, and I think there are some performances that are absolutely stellar. And I think there's one performance in particular that absolutely sucks. But I think, and it's Edison, and I'll say it right now: it's Edison. He sucks. He's the worst character in this. I you think didn't he's even the worst. include him in your summary. People he's don't know worst, who that is. He's the yeah. worst character in fiction. Period. <laughs> period. <laughs> fiction. In fiction. Um, but I think, just in general, I wish I I wish they had like maybe it's just that there's too many characters, or they're trying to do too many things. Like I do think it has a little bit of like the modern what's, movie problem where they're like, yeah. yeah, where they're like, and then there's six plots, and you're like. We don't need Don Juan. Don Juan doesn't need I, to be a character. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I think it's, uh, so I think I'm it's with you on your argument of like children's media should be held to a high standard as well. And we should, we yes. should consider it. If art, anyone's on my side art. with that, it's Molly. A hundred percent. Doctorate. Yeah. TYA scholar for yeah. sure. I think to make children into the cultural experts of the moment, since I'm the one who watched it with children, yes. I will tell you that my my seven-year-old nephew, because the two-year-old nephew had to go to bed before the movie was over, which is kind of how it always works on Friday movie night. Sure, he was sure. happy about that. He was fine with it. Uh, he cried during Forrest Whitaker's song about being sad in his workshop and thinking about oh. the fact that his daughter was gone. Sure. And oh. when they got reunited, he was cuddling with it. He went to cuddle with his mom when he was crying about the song about him being sad mm-hmm. and when they reunited and said, I love you, he turned to his mom and said, I love you, mommy. And she said, I love you too. Now it watch, was, watch, here's, watch here's, <laughs> here's my thing. Okay. Continue, continue, continue. No, I just, it was like, I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen a movie like so directly impact. Like I'm feeling exactly what the characters are feeling. Yeah. It's prompting me to think about how much I love my parents. Like, Oh my gosh, it was so amazing. And again, I think this is a great, movie i don't i i genuinely don't think this is a bad movie but if we are coming into this with like a a specific like we're evaluating the film on what the film is and blah 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 blah, then i just think like there are some aspects of this film that don't hold water for me for me in my viewing of this film and is it because it's too simplistic how the relationship is repaired i think it's that I think it's that I don't, there is not enough time given to these relationships in, in real space other than like a person discussing these relationships, like the narration of the relationships. So then I don't feel like the, I don't think like the, the front the, the beginning to the end is warranted. Like, I don't think there is like, yeah, I can kind of see that because there is because in essence it's a 
the movie is telling the story of it. So like there's a storytelling aspect of it. There's like Princess wooden Bride. Yeah, there's like little maquettes that like, you know, like do Amazing. the stop motion Amazing. to like to like fill in the gaps of the story. Mm -hmm. But I think there is that section between the second and the third act of the movie that is like the emotional like turn of it and, and like it's ironic cuz Elf does the exact same thing. That I think kind of skip some of those things and kind of expect that like yeah this makes sense to happen right away blah 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 because i i think like, you need to give me an example of where you were frustrated of them not spending enough real time on the relationships i think for me it was mostly just the it was jessica and, and jeronicus because i i do think that like i almost wish that they didn't have to have like i almost wish that like they showed that like it's gonna be it's gonna be mended i almost wish that that we didn't see that the relationship got mended i almost wanted to be like because of mm. journey they were set on the right path we have the promise that they will mend yeah it. because but i think like by showing it right away i was like oh then it's especially like i think yeah i think the geronicus journey thing works yeah do you agree I with think that so. that like that that gets enough time the the how she sort of slowly reintroduces wonder into his life does that work for you adam and it's mostly the jessica geronicus thing that doesn't work I would say, I'm going to speak for Adam. I think it does because you thought the movie was over after the... I'm so glad that that works for you, Adam. I, I... After they when, were like when they When they say rescue Buddy, buddy mm -hmm. the robot. Yep. The famous robot that we all know and love from Christmas media. Buddy the robot. Um, I thought the movie was over. And then I clicked the screen and it said 37 more minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was the end of Act 2. Um, so I guess I believed that. I think that snowball scene does a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's a very heavy lifter. Um, it's a musical. It's a musical. Movie. Movie. I mean, don't you great. want a lot of people heavy lifting to come I, from the songs? Yeah, from a, from a dance number. For yeah. a dance number, great. Um, I, that's not my complaint. I just am pointing that out. That that's where the the meat of that relationship bonding happens is in that scene. My confusion, I think, and maybe this is just like me and I wasn't paying like strong enough attention. Why is a man who clearly doesn't want his granddaughter to be there? Why did he invite her at all? So I think I do. I agree. This wasn't super clear. I think that what happened was he invited Jessica and Jessica and just, was just sent Journey. It was Jessica's oh. like decision to be like, yeah. I'm not ready almost so i'm gonna see how it goes for you, for you because now you that's a want little to bit see yeah it's it's a little bit of a weird choice i don't know i mean like if i felt like my parent was like really withholding and i don't know well, that i, I would like my chance yeah. my child on that you know i, I want mean? my child to also experience the same time, trauma. but maybe she was confident maybe she was hopeful that like because the journey is so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that she knew yeah. that that was what he needed was like that you and know, her little song, I think, helped winner. too, because she was like, I want to find other people like me because I'm, you know, most kids play. So, I... yeah, so maybe she also knew that, like, they had this similar way of viewing the world and so would connect yeah. over that. I, I do think maybe one that could be a little bit more explained. I also yeah. do think that it's a bit confusing. So Jessica has this song with Jeronicus where, where they're talking about how, like, they're going to fix it. They're going to mend it. So that's her song that she sings as she's on her way to his pawn shop. And because Jeronicus and Jessica live like out in the country, like they're, it's like a train wagon, like it's a big journey to get to Jeronicus. Like they live in a different city or something. And it was confusing because she has this whole song with this intention of like, what I am doing is I'm going to fix my relationship with my father. Like that's why I'm, why I'm making this trip. But then she arrives and she's like, well, I came to take journey home early. Mm -hmm. And 
that I understand coming in with that energy of like, I know that your whole deal is you're like annoyed by your family. You, you like can't handle it emotionally. So like, I understand being concerned of like, have, has she overstayed her welcome? But it's weird to like have this song that's like, what I'm doing is I'm going, trying to repair it and then show up and be like, I'm not here to repair I'm it. Not here just to repair be clear. It. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so Correct. that I do think was a little bit, it, like it, they kind of weren't clear on the order of events a little bit. Yeah. Like it felt like they were really struggling to find a place for the song. It felt like there was also pressure to be like, we have a Nikononi Rose. Like, we have to have a song for her. Obviously. It has to be like a, you know, like quote unquote, the 11 o'clock, like the, a big number. Yeah. But I think, uh, if it you'll... almost did a disservice of not showing her enough. I really feel like if they think, just yeah, had a little think, bit honestly, more to build it. I think if she had come, there was this With thing about journey. like, well, uh, no. So I, I think it's fine to have journey come first. I like that, that it starts to crack him open and yes, that sets him up to, to be able to then yeah. to, to, to say the kind of shameful thing of like, I mess up as your dad. Like, I think that makes sense to me for his journey that he needs to. Huh. Uh, that, that he needs to like first be reminded of what it was to have a child when she was young and then like that sets it up for Jessica to come mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. I just I wish Jessica had come with the like I'll take her home early if you need me to he says no stay they kind of slowly build something and then we could have something the happen gonna make it work. it work song yeah and then like they get to and now we're gonna like spend all night repairing this robot together yeah kind of thing yeah. I think, it, yeah, I think it's, she's just miss, she's just, that character is not used in a way that would have made enough. an effect. Yeah. I more effective. That, yeah. yeah. I think the big thing, if we're talking about in terms of like comparing this to Mary Poppins, and I'm so sorry to do this, but I already brought it up. So we have but to. But that's the only thing we can compare it to. Adam has yeah. made that the law. <laughs> um, the law of showcase. I think the thing that especially as like an adult watching it again, what really works about Mary Poppins is that the children and the father have a, there's a divide mm-hmm. and it's not just like the children ingratiate themselves to the father. It is that there is a crisis. And then Mary has to be like, you are fucking up. Mary and Bert together kind of are like, you have to done stop. wrong. You yeah. need to step up. And I think that I wish there was a third party. And I almost wish it was Jessica who was like, I wish she stepped in and was like, you have to be the father to whatever that whatever, blah, 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 blah. However you want to word it. You have to do this thing because I didn't get it, but Journey needs to get it from you. Yeah, almost like uh, you already messed it up once. Because this I is just, to not he is so, Geronicus in the beginning of this film, not, not, in, not, not in the prologue, Geronicus. not in the prologue. Yeah. Once the film really starts, he's so cold and like not in like a fun kind of older. Curmudgeon-y. Yeah. yeah. Not in like a Scrooge way where you're like, oh, you're going to warm up. Like he's mean. (laughs) And I was like very turned off by it. And maybe that's like part of the reason why I didn't respond to this movie as well. Um, But like uh, that really bothered me. And I, I just don't think that the way they set him up I didn't believe that he on his own would be like, I was wrong. And it, I, it, that's just where I'm at with it. I think, yeah, I think I found his level of meanness to maybe be like a few clicks below what you found it to be, which is a repeat of our Annie conversation that like, yes, I, it is. I maybe, it's very similar. I maybe don't read it as quite as hostile as you read it. So that's just like a personal reaction to it kind of a thing. Sure. It's hard to control for as an artist, I think. Sure, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Should we play? <laughs> is this? I the... think we got to play that song. We have to play. We're going to shoot right right into the middle of the <laughs> right into the middle, <laughs> middle of the show. show. We're going by themes today, ladies themes, and germs. Babies. Themes. Uh, here's make it work. It'll work again Let the long road back to love begin He thinks that we can make We can make it work again I got a heart that needs to mend And I don't know how this story ends Oh, can we make Can we make it work again I know it won't be easy But I'm gonna tighten every screw Turn every gear I hope this time you'll see me Working on this formula for years Wonder Wonder if this time it could be real I'm gonna make it work again Unpopular opinion Say it I think Anika Noni Rose Is the best part of Dreamgirls Oh, it's the, oh, she's the best part of Dreamgirls? She's oh. the best one in Dreamgirls. She is like the hidden she's gem. She's so Absolutely. good. Yeah. I would I want say her she's the best part everything. of Dreamgirls, but everything. I think they're all so good that it's like it's like choosing a favorite child. Destiny. I chose one. It's a big I chose. Great. I know. Great. And Lorella's Jermaine. It's true. Again, not to bring up Dreamgirls, but like Dreamgirls gives a full like rounded character story to each of its girl girls, think... even though Lorel's not the important part of the story. But that movie gives her like a full storyline of her own that she is having. She's in a separate movie. She's the star of a separate movie that we are never going to see. I but like, that... I believe it. I think that what is holding Jingle Jangle back a little bit in this like development of the emotional core of the characters thing i think part of it is probably it's children's media and the expectations we have for children's media but i think yeah. maybe even more than that is that it's a christmas movie and i think yes. the expectation that christmas movies have to end with everything is solved everything mm-hmm. is harmonious as a family unit like things have mm-hmm. to get to this totally unproblematic emotional place is like the rule that we've made for christmas movies i think that might be the, the bigger pressure yeah that and is I- causing that and I think it's it's creating that pressure because every in all the other accounts, it's doing something new, it's doing something fresh, it's kind of like innovating a Christmas movie musical that it's like, oh, I almost wish like the yeah, like just these little things to clean up in the story also can kind of be like But I think that's probably asking for a level of risk in this that's like unfair. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? True. Like yeah. like it's it like, needs to be something that like that's like bringing in the African-American experience to a Victorian mm-hmm. England. It needs Amazing. to be Which a works. Yeah. risk that Netflix is taking to see if they can make a holiday Absolutely. movie that will make them enough money to make it yeah. worth it. And yeah. also I need you to like get to an emotional core of Christmas that we've never seen before is like a lot to ask out of one film. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But also we're not here to be like, well, it's good because it was a movie. So that's true. Yeah. That's true. I just, I just think that like, I really admire all, all of what the people who made it did. And like, I, I, if, if somehow they were listening to this, I wouldn't want them to be like, gosh, they're asking a lot of us in making this movie. Yeah, I feel I like think... whenever we review a more current movie, I feel more aware of yes. like the artist yes. could yes. somehow know what we've said about it. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they listen. They do. We're the most they're listened to all... podcast we're, above we're... Joe Rogan. It's true. I mean, Ultra Maker. I we did a we did a book club episode on Ampliverse and the the author of the book watched our book club episode. Oh my God. So you never. It was the um the song the uh, the Spider Man musical when we read that his novel. Wow! And he was like, "You guys were so much fun, blah blah blah." Like you really captured like the craziness of what happened, and we're like, 
So you okay. never know, Adam. Mr. David might be watching. But I okay. like listening. Again, I feel like I have to keep saying this. I re- I did like this movie. Yeah. I just this movie had and this is and the, and we can even talk about like um minority media and how it feels like it has to achieve every single iota on the checklist and there's no way it can yeah this movie feels like they were making a movie and they're like we are reaching for the sun and the moon and the stars and they got the stars absolutely and that's great yeah and it's not like any white movie you'd be like great sure we watch white christmas every year like that's not a great film like there's, there's a many minstrel flaws. number in that movie <laughs> there's a there's a well it's not a minstrel it's a reference to a minstrel number but yes there's like a i wish we could do minstrel numbers oh, again gosh. that's <laughs> you know what i miss every christmas minstrels <laughs> minstrels and i watch it every year and i'm i am the problem i yeah. am the problem I'm glad that you finally That's, discovered that. That is now. why RJ and I thought that we should watch this one in particular was to Absolutely. get you to that place. To that you place. know, um, we are took, your journey in a way. But also, like, <laughs> it took three Christmas movie musicals, but we finally got there. I think that this could be so good on stage. Like, yeah. read oh, yeah. the book. This is this is Christmas magic and, and honestly, wonder. Honestly, give us give us Christmas musicals on stage because Elf is not good on stage. I have to tell you. I saw it. I thought it was a good production. It's so funny. Adam has brought so much trauma to this episode. Oh, my God. So much about Alf and Mary Poppins. And then she's like, we're hitting some nerves. We're just like, because because when things get so touchstone-y that people feel like they have to use them as like jumping off points for their their own own media. When I just want you to be like, I just want you to write your own thing. I just want you to blank slate. And do whatever you want and feel like you don't have to be like, I have to make El- I have to make Will Ferrell funny on stage. You don't. In fact, you don't. That's the joy of it. Well, I can't speak for Elf, but I think like it, it, <laughs> this is really this really is a, a, a symposium on my thoughts on yeah. Elf the musical. Yeah, I, so Jesus. that's a critique that you're Wait, saying of like musicals are have to be based on something else. Are you also saying that it feels like Jingle Jangle feels like it has to be referencing other things? No, no, I feel like... I didn't feel that way about... Yeah. I feel like they made Jingle Jangle and they were like, I love all of these things and I want to make this version of these things. I I think... But I I also read an interview in which he said that. So that could be influencing my... I know that he said, because he said like he wanted his son to watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is like number one on our list of movies we keep cutting at the last minute from the the list because we find something more interesting to watch. But like, I... I I felt like I saw, oh, I want to make a everyone in the family can watch it movie. I want to make a holiday movie that has black actors at, the, at, yeah. at its core. Like I saw that, but I, di- I didn't feel like there was like a specific thing it was living in the shadow of personally. It felt but, like a new thing to me. But I think it also is like because because the Christmas like values and ideals of what we see in a Christmas movie or whatever is so set in stone that I think that like it it's someone can watch this movie and be like okay i immediately think of like you know values in christmas and like we set a standard as a culture we have to let go of victorian england i hate i hate to say it you're making you're making a great segue i am i know i am historical notes that i wrote i just i just dickens lived and dickens died (laughs) and his work doesn't need to die, but we don't need to be like this is we gotta the go end back. all be all we of Christmas go media. We gotta go back because somehow it always comes back to that. And I'm like, bruh, we are not in England. When when this movie starts, I will let you get to your Afro Victorianism 
part in a minute. When this movie starts and everyone that speaks has an American accent and then we jump through time and then there are suddenly British people. I was so thrown off. There are many things... The setting is confusing. The setting is very confusing. The whole central family has an American accent. And it's fantasy and it's fine. Other people have have a British accent and he says... The the car drives on the British side of the road. I I intentionally clocked it. Oh, he says something about like that. go to the. She sits on the right the side English? of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. she drives the car. Yeah, so it's sad. I think in England, but so for yes. some reason, this one central family maintains an American accent through multiple generations. That is, I did not like. That. I was confused by that for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about why they may have yes. compe- felt compelled to put a Victorian twist on it. Correct. So I read several sources for today's uh, pod, but uh, I'm going to start with Hillary Naomi Ratz, um, uh, her article visualizing the Victorian Christmas evolving iconography and symbolism in the wake of 19th century commercialism, which mm-hmm. is part of the Brock University undergraduate journal of history. So hats off to you, Hillary, as a, an undergraduate scholar, I really enjoyed your piece. So, uh, Ratz, needs a water refill. Sorry. <laughs> Adam has fully laughed. He's so uninterested in what I'm about to say. Uh, okay. So Ratz talks about the fact that most of the things that we think of as like secular Christmas iconography, right? So mm-hmm. like Christmas trees and holly and stuff like that. That's like not about the baby Jesus, the Bible, all of that stuff. It comes mostly from non-English cultures. I feel like this is like one of those, like everybody kind of knows it. That's like England stole it from pagans and other cultures and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like none of the Christmas stuff that we have is like from England, mm-hmm. but she argues that the commercialism of Victorian England started to print those things in a mass way where the image of Christmas has now been solidified for us around this Victorian English Mm. print media of either like they were both were like cards that people would exchange from like on a personal way in Victorian England, as well as print advertisement. And it's Mm -hmm. part of the commercialization of Christmas and the shift towards what Christmas is about is consumption, giving gifts, all of that stuff. So it's sort of like, the first visuals we had of like what Christmas looks like come mm-hmm. from Victorian print ads essentially. And that's why it's become so associated. I think also obviously because of Dickens and Christmas Carol. And I was just talking about how that's like, I love that story. I think it's awesome. I love seeing a production of it every single Christmas, but I think that's really interesting. So take that the visuals of Victorian Christmas very strong in culture. And yes, I discovered it listeners uh, just before the pod, uh, Adam dropped the term Afro-Victorianism or Afro-Victorian, it's just Afro-Victorian. Yes. Afro-Victorian, which apparently you encountered in an article somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like trying to find some good, like, here's why we made these aesthetic choices. And I was struggling with it. Um, but I discovered from Adam's use of the term that there is a wiki paid page on fandom aesthetics about Afro-Victorian as a term that was, so it first came into cultural consciousness because it was used by Michael Wilkinson who designed the costumes for this movie. So this movie like kind of introduced the idea in a way, but according to this Wikipedia page, well, he brought that term up. There are several artists that you can um, reference that sort of use that aesthetic maybe before we were using this term for it. So I didn't have time to read the whole thing, um, but the works of artist Yinka Shona Bear, Shona Bar, and the photos of photographer Tamari Kudika, and the style of the Herrera women of Namibia. So this is like Mm. a thing that we've seen apparently in some other places. I wish I had time to read this whole thing, but I was interested. I was like, okay, so we have Afro-Victorian idea and 
uh, David E. Talbert says that his wife, Lynn, the producer really like brought in a lot of that. Like she's, she's kind of the overall aesthetic vision person. And then she brought a lot of the idea of like Victorian dresses, natural black hairstyles. Um, so I was like, where else can I look at? Let's bring like a black lens to Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, I read some Ebony articles from 1993 about, uh, bringing in black iconography to Christmas. Um, but the real interesting thing that I got to was a, an article on the history of black Santa written in 2020 <gasps> in Washington post, which is oh. an opinion piece, opinion piece by E James West. Who's actually an American scholar, American history scholar from the UK. So I thought that was interesting. That he's kind of got this like outsider perspective, mm-hmm. but he wrote about, uh, like when did we start having black Santas? So you can trace this back to the, early, the late 19th century, interesting overlapping with Victorian, mm-hmm. but started out in racist minstrel shows and vaudeville uh, depictions. For example, like a song about a black man posing as Santa to steal a chicken. So like that was the origin point. But then the black community, black newspapers and entertainers kind of started to champion the idea. So it's sort of Mm. like taken back by the black community. Mm -hmm. Following World War II, some white department stores started to feel like they had to hire black Santas to respond to an increase in black purchasing power. So commercialism comes in yet again. And then civil rights activists started using Black Santa to draw public attention to some of their um, causes in the 60s. So, for example, in Milwaukee, a Black Santa led a march for open housing legislation, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Now, some activists, including the Black Panthers, rejected the idea of using Santa and saw it as like the symbol of white hegemony and and wanted to reject Christmas altogether. That's kind of where the... um, coming in of Kwanzaa happens is, is it's like mm. black activists trying to come up with something that comes specifically from a black tradition to, to uh, mm-hmm. celebrate at this time. Um, so quote, during the aftermath of the Watts riots in Los Angeles, cultural nationalist Ron Karenga created Kwanzaa as an opportunity for black people to celebrate themselves and their history rather than simply imitate the practice of the dominant society. End quote. Hmm. Um, I found a 2007, again, Ebony article. Thank you so much for your service. Um, about uh, how families, some families should celebrate it, some families choose not to. There are some Black Christians who feel like it's kind of supplanting religion, and so they're uncomfortable with that. And a 2012 article about how sort of its cultural moment has now passed, uh, but obviously there are still people who celebrate Kwanzaa now. In 1968, Operation Red Basket Black Christmas Parade was guided by a Black Santa in a velvet dashiki wearing Black gloves to show support for Tommy Smith and John Carlos's black power salute at the um, Olympics. I'm sure you've seen that image, right? Of them holding up the black power salute. And the next year, the year's parade had floats with the images of Fred Hampton, the chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, who had been murdered only days earlier by police. Mm -hmm. So there's a history of using also Christmas parades in black communities to draw attention to some of these issues. Um, and basically the, this opinion piece was written in the wake of, there was a family who had a black Santa on display in front of their house and somebody had the absolute caucasity to write them a letter as Santa telling him, telling them that Santa is white. Um, oh and God. so then all of the neighbors, apparently in the neighborhood put up their own black Santas and like mm. a show of solidarity with the family. Um, so basically the author is arguing like that this symbol has now kind of lost a lot of its radicalism and a lot of its political power. And it's now sort of this like inclusive we all get along um it's become kind of commercial and heartwarming mm. um and basically only the like weird war on christmas people are upset by any of this anymore <laughs> that everyone's kind of gotten on board but that that's interesting because then it means it's sort of lost some of its potency as well right um and there's definitely value in having those more radical mm-hmm. figures to be applied um 
to, you know, cultural moments and, and cultural norms like Christmas. So that is a history of Black Santa Claus. Well, that's wow. like, uh, what was it like 2013, 2014? There was like the Black Santa thing on Fox where Fox News was like. Wasn't it Megyn Kelly? I think, I think it, it was, was Megyn Kelly. Kelly that got mad where she was it. like, she was like, and kids, don't worry, Santa's white. And it was like, <laughs> first of all, what children Truly? are watching Fox News? <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, that's not real. <laughs> and we're going to say, and you know what? We're going to say right here on this podcast today, Santa's not real. Santa does not make toys. Journey Jingle. Journey Jingle makes your toys. Makes your toys. So thank Journey okay. Jingle. Jangle. Jingle. Jeronicus Jangle. Their name is Jangle, not Jingle. It's Jangle? Yes. <laughs> Jeronicus Jingle is a ridiculous name, aren't they? Silly name. Jeronicus Jangle has history. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Has <laughs> clout. Exactly. He's a clout chaser. That's what everyone <laughs> says about him. I love Speaking of clout chasers. Are we going to talk about Gustafson? Oh, oh that was what your segue. That was your, that was your segue. Sure. We t- what do you want to say? Go ahead. I think it's very radical to have uh, Keith Michael Key. <laughs> no. Um, no, I was mostly just going to say, like, I uh, that uh, Gustafson's and the Don Juan situation, really my biggest thing was that, like, I almost wish it was just Gustafson. I don't know. I Like, from a movie, I really didn't get why they had to include Don Juan why why I mean great that Ricky Martin got to do something I don't know but I just wish that like Gustafson because he had like a full story as to why he was an antagonist why he you know had something against Geronicus why he was kind of like chasing whatever but I just in general too I I really like King Michael Key's performance too and I really like that song he performs yeah I mean, we love him in Smigadoon. We love him in Smigadoon. I think he, I think he is a musical aficionado. He's, he's also in a movie that we still have not watched yet, which also came out in Netflix on Netflix in 2020. Huh? Prom. Oh. Oh. So this was a and big, Matilda and Thirteen. Their Netflix is giving. They the are musical. giving. We, they are we giving thank Netflix. For, we thank yeah. Netflix. We thank we our really overlords. Fo- Netflix. <laughs> Really we will around. keep paying the subscription price, I guess. Got it, whatever. <laughs> we'll stop getting DVDs in the mail. I got it, fine. Um, the thing I really wanted to talk about with Gustafson is just that the Magic Man G number was very Oz to me. Yeah. And it's I think, very purposeful. Sure. And I and like the whole idea of like, you know, he's just a talker, blah blah blah, like a scam artist, a con. Mm-hmm. Um, with like fully like just like uh like green gotta be seen green costumes i'm gonna say something and this may not necessarily be about this film okay and it may be more it's kind of been your thing <laughs> more about hocus Mary pocus 2 oh no about what sorry hocus pocus 2 and disenchanted oh, okay again the river <laughs> but here's the, the thing wicked ruined media and what i mean by that is <laughs> Whoa, what a statement what are we and doing? what i mean by that is and it's less necessarily wicked but that's the musical equivalent of like the sopranos and breaking bad and Mad Men of like the anti-hero we have to we have to familiarize the anti-hero i wish i wish you started with the anti-hero okay but wicked is the only musical massive musical equivalent of what those tv shows did so my point i know but you could have said like breaking bad ruined media (laughs) wicked Adina Menzel herself oh personally broke media. Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. So what I mean by that is, 
this movie, I think it would be better if it was just Gustafson was a villain. And he wasn't swayed by a talking toy. Like, he was just like, I'm bad. And guess what? I like stealing. I don't mind a little stealing and thievery. Um, I Because Don Juan doesn't need to exist as a character. Yeah. I like I liked the number that they sing together because it has like a little bit of Spanish influence, so that's like a fun and a patter, you know. Yeah, yeah. It has a, like a, a fun a musical thing that the other songs don't have, but like yeah. there is I think a this and then like again, I hate to say it, Edison. Edison. These are like the two characters that I was like you could cut this and shave probably yeah. 20 minutes off this film and it would be like 90 times better because mm-hmm. like this movie should not be two hours and like 10 minutes or whatever it is it's like a, be a little tight silly it should be a tight 90 for sure um so uh i do like keegan michael key's performance i even really like this magic man g song mm-hmm. um which we can listen to a little bit right Here's the thing. Let me talk about let me talk about the choreography, because this is gonna leave me the choreography. There is a part of the song. And I pointed this out to RJ and he is on my side. He, he may not want to admit it. He had to rewind to verify. There is in the music, the chorus is clapping on the beat. In the choreography, their hands never connect. Ah. And I was like. Did connect. we not hear the song? When you say connect, do you mean that they're making like a clapping motion, but not getting no. all the way to the clap? Or you mean no. like they're not doing claps? They're not they're doing not claps. Clapping. They're not even visualizing a clap energy. Yeah. Um, okay. They did, not like, even clapping with their eyes. No. There's, there's, not, there's, not a not, not, <laughs> not a hearty not blink. eyelashes <laughs> clapping not together. Not a single blink was happening. No butt cheeks are clapping. <laughs> Nothing is clapping. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there is a part of the song, like there is closer later, to the end, to where the they end. are doing it because Gustafson like leads it, and then everyone follows. Uh-huh. But then, but, but then in the choreography, they go double time, and the music doesn't clap double time. And I was like, "What are we doing?" And I just, and I don't, I, I sound like an insane person. But Your like, experience of watching the movie was so different from mine. So different from mine. Yeah, for what? sure. Which is so funny because it's like I don't think we and did again, anything different. Like we just I liked watched this it. movie, but it's just those little things. I think, it's, where I think it's, it's more of the old fashions that you had before recording that really is <laughs> making things come out. No, I had these same thoughts yesterday. Did I? I you had some old fashions yesterday too, as well, though, didn't you? I did. You're right. I'm constantly three old fashions in. You gotta know. And a granny. Um, and a smiley with prosecco. Um. So that was like. And that leads me into a bigger conversation of like, I, even without knowing, yesterday when I was watching this movie, I said, God, this choreography really reminds me of Greatest Showman. Yeah. And then lo and behold, choreographer. Lo, lo and behold. I mean, look, Greatest that Showman. wouldn't be a bad thing if you liked Greatest Showman. Do you know what I mean? Like, no. there's nothing yes. wrong with being a choreographer but that one can. My problem with Greatest Showman is not the choreography. It is not. 
Yeah. Um, but it is such a clear visual marker that Adam couldn't help but be transported. I get my PTSD. In a, he has in a, a style. In a you know? He has a, he does. He he has has a, a way style. of doing it. Yeah. And we, yeah. will, we may see it later on this season mm. in a little movie called Jeff Bezos' Cinderella. Oh. Full title. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Bezos journey. A Bezos. Well, a lot of people don't know about the pre ellipses on that one. Yeah. A Christmas Bezos. Pre ellipses, yeah, yeah. pre colon. That's what I wanted. Oh gosh. Dot dot dot. Losing it. Out of academia, and all of a sudden yes. just losing. I don't know. There's a colon and ellipses. I'm lost. <laughs> um, um, look, I. That is not my problem with this film, though. I loved the energy of this. I thought sure. they captured dance well. Okay. In okay. This, in this song, as okay. well as in the opener, which I'm hoping we're gonna talk about next, because it's been a long time to not talk about the opener. Yeah. Um. I also think that asking Keegan Michael Key is like so smart because he is such a good like he finds talk about finding like the right amount of like villainy and fun. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. Absolutely. And again, with the like family experience, my brother who like not a musical person, like probably would not have turned was this like, on. Oh, that's was like that's oh Keegan appeal. when he came yeah. on the screen because he is like a comedy yeah. like you know yeah. right and so yeah. i thought that it like As straight men do <laughs> you know he's yeah, yeah yeah he's the token straight man that i know and so <laughs> i feel like his his contribution is is very uh appreciated by me okay. and i feel like sure. brings something to the film i do agree with you that in retrospect thinking about the whole arc of the film probably we don't need Don Juan's character. Like it can't, because, because we have enough motivation for him of like, he's this frustrated he's mentor fully, who feels like he doesn't fully baked. Yeah. Get his full, his yeah. full due. And he steals the, he gets convinced to steal the book of Jeronicus's um, inventions because Jeronicus seems to be not giving him the not time giving, to help yeah. him with his inventions. So like, that seems like enough motivation. You don't need some, uh, you know, basically garden of Eden snake to convince the him devil to on do the it. Shoulder, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know why. It does feel a little bit like maybe some of this. It's hard to think this because he started writing it in like 1997. So it seems like he had enough time to like mm-hmm. think it through. But there almost are characters that it feels like somehow they like passed it before the story was 100% <gasps> done almost, and like, like had there. to go with it. And let's yeah. talk about the character that is the most 1990s energy that I know this character was written in 1990, whatever. Oh, it's man. the character of Edison. And you oh, know what I mean God. by that? That's our no. goal. That's oh, our goal. Yeah. Oh, our goal. That That's man right. was did. watching Family Matters and he said, This is funny. Yeah. And you know who's not funny in this film? Edison. And I Look, really the, don't want to crap on the a child. The child actor. who does it is, is so fine. charming. There's nothing very wrong with sweet. him. He's very sweet. It's yeah. that he is for given some reason to work yeah. with. They felt like they needed. So, Jeronicus has lost his spark. He's turned his toy shop into a pawn shop. Mm-hmm. The whole story is about him building a relationship with his granddaughter, granddaughter. who takes after him and the inventiveness and understanding uh-huh. science and math and enjoying engineering, all that stuff. And that opening up his heart. But for some reason, they also give him a child mentee who keeps trying to convince him to go back to being an inventor as well. And there's Doing like, the same thing, there yeah. really is nothing that Edison is adding to the story. But I couldn't tell if he yeah. was actually his mentee or if he just like liked hanging around the shop. Like I couldn't well, tell Edison's how trying real... to make himself into the mentee, yeah. okay. right? That's, That's like why I... he's around. But, liter- and this but literally was... Journey does the same thing as soon Journey as she gets Journey does the exact in. same thing. There I don't are know why six that inventors in, in this film. There's also and we don't hilarious need another one who's funny, quote unquote. Yeah, even like... Maybe I just missed the moment, but like there's a whole scene where Journey and Edison get this robot to work, right? They get Buddy to work and then Jeronicus discovers them and they can't get the robot to work anymore because it runs on belief. And Jeronicus is so anti-belief that he brings down the whole energy of the room. Mm -hmm. And then Jeronicus and Journey have this like fight and he yells at her and he sends her to a room and it's this big emotional moment. 
Edison is in the beginning of the scene and he's not there by the end of the scene. And I don't know where he what went. Happens and there's nothing, there. if anything can speak to the fact that like the character was ultimately not necessary was that they were like, oh gosh, this scene is about Journey and Geronicus and Edison's in the way. And let's just kind of write just, him until he, he disappears. Yeah. Really does speak to the fact that like he didn't he did contribute a lot plot wise. No, yeah. and he doesn't even... He doesn't contribute like comedy. He doesn't like, I just was like, anytime he was on screen and I really feel, I genuinely feel bad saying this about like a child actor. This is not about the kid who played him. Truly. I promise you. This is just about like the amount he was given and maybe they like just didn't cast. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just was like bummed anytime he was on the screen, taking up my time watching this film. Cause I was like, you're not Thanks. enjoyable. Yeah, I yeah. think maybe what they wanted out of the character was also uh, like a scaredy cat character to show how brave Journey, Journey is, is, right? Like when they yeah. get, sure. when they're stuck in like the villain's lair and there's a fire and they're trying to escape and he's the one being like, oh, I don't know. And she's the one being like, I'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I do feel like because they have a robot, Buddy could have been that. Exactly. Right? That's all like, I there's, thought about. There's an anthropomorphic because they character make that could a be. Character. Yes. Because yeah. she's trying yes, yes, to believe. Yes, yes. And if his if his source of energy is belief, then her believing that they can make it work is the literal manifestation right. of Right. So I don't know. I don't know why Edison's in there. I don't know why he was British. I don't know why they were all British except for this family. And I don't know. But you know who I did love? Shot as in a, England. That's why. You know I mean, who I did love? Reason. What British person I did love? <gasps> Was Lisa Davina playing Miss Johnston? Johnston. Mm-hmm. I love that we're not talking about this opening song. You've, Molly, we're I just going to blue ball Molly. Keep moving it to the <laughs> yeah. very back of the we'll pod. Get there. We'll talk about like the opening and the. Yeah, we'll get there. I just want to say with Miss Johnson, I <laughs> Adam was like, "Wow, the horny widow trope." And you know what? It's good. I didn't even it's say funny. trope. I just I was making a joke. Like that's not a trope, but like I mean, unless Blanche Devereaux is the trope, <laughs> but. I think that's hilarious. Bro, I, think it's... I think it is. Well, I actually thought maybe for a second when you said like the character that's very 90s, I thought maybe I thought it, it was, was going to be, be this one only because I wonder if we're starting to turn the corner on like women sexually harassing men is like maybe not funny, actually. Yeah. I feel like that's been no, the expectation. So like funny. it is comedic when a that's woman yes. like continues to to hit on a man far past the point where he's made it clear he's not interested yeah. and then they do get together at the end of this one yeah. so like it works um but that's i will say i've been binging abbott elementary and like that's the one thing i don't love on that i love so much about that yeah, show Ava, so great Ava, Ava, Ava in general best character so funny yeah but the whole gregory hitting on gregory she like is his boss and it like actually is not that funny <laughs> to me that she keeps being yeah. wildly inappropriate with him so i do think that I'm not saying there's not a way to do it ever, but like I, I don't, I get nervous about the like. Yes, let's is, just make yeah. the woman very sexual, and then that's funny somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like if there was, she's so funny in this. I, <laughs> she is. She has really committed to it, and I think it. They she gave does, her. Yeah. They gave her one note, and like and she I just mean so character wise, and yeah. she was like, "I'm going all in." I mean, performance wise, I'm giving yeah. you a fifteen. Yeah. Performance wise, it's great. Obviously, it's a very different dynamic because she's like the postmistress or whatever. Yeah. So like, it's there's none mm-hmm. of the weird power stuff at yeah. like her. Um, but, but yeah, I, in terms of performance, uh, what she <laughs> gives to like, she was like, if that's what you say, I'm doing. Then like, I'm doing I it one hundred and ten percent. The comedy that she reads everyone's mail. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, ma'am. 
<laughs> that's illegal. That's illegal. That's literally not your job. That's very funny to me. That I, is very funny. She's very yeah. funny. I also loved it because my nephew, being new to the convention of musicals, mm-hmm. um, the, my seven-year-old nephew, uh, they when the, the the three guys in the shop oh, first yeah. like turn around and start to contribute to the song, he was like, oh, he said something like, oh no, like what's this or something like that. And I was like, it's a musical, are- it's amazing. And they keep popping up. And I was like, my favorite guys, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then there's like a little coda later in the movie where yes. she like drives past and they're like at a streetlight and he literally goes, oh no, not these guys again. <laughs> so pure. And it became such a great spoil for me that we kept we kept doing this little bickering about whether or not these guys were the best or worst part of the whole movie. That's so funny. They were very fun. I was wondering if they were like also helped write the music. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they were like cameos. Yeah. Because they were so so featured that I was like, oh. Oh, Are these cameos? But I couldn't. Potentially. I don't know. If they weren't, that would have been a great John Legend role. Honestly. (laughs) That would have been really funny to have him just pop up like that. Um, My nephew also said in this this song, he, when Geronicus was trying to get away from her, he Mm -hmm. was like, I would just open the door and let everybody hear how weird she's being because she's singing. (laughs) And I said... I said, well, she's not literally singing, like not in, in the world of the movie. She's not singing. Oh, That's no. how musicals work. Oh, no. And he was like, huh, okay. And then later, no, but get on board with this because mm-hmm. later on then when the the song with um, Jessica coming and like yes, singing about like, I'm going to go repair the relationship. And then yeah. they're dancing outside of the pawn shop. He, he goes, was like, they're not really. He goes, I would have gone inside by now. Well, I guess it's a musical. And I was like, yeah. <gasps> he gets it. He gets it. Oh, I can't. You just need an aunt to introduce you to the concept at the, exactly. at the right age. And then you it'll click and you, you can be a musical person. a woman you need... in your life to <laughs> just say, this is what it is. It's a musical. This is what it is. When are you in- introducing Brecht uh, to you? Yeah, when, yeah, <laughs> when is that That's more of like an eight-year-old thing, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just a little bit more time. Second grade kind of <laughs> level. Yeah. <laughs> uh should we listen to a little bit of Miles and Miles? Absolutely. I mean, the belting alone in this, the belt off. Sure. In this musical. The original Effie White in the West End. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Mm. And Felicia Rashad was, was the uh, understudy for Dina Jones in the original Brother cast. <gasps> and Cheryl Lee Ralph of Abbott Elementary. Yes. This Same is as the Green most Girl. and Anika <laughs> Rose. No, I know that was that was the like unspoken part of it. I thought, that, yeah. I love that this this episode has the most references to other things outside. I feel like we've referenced so much more of other things besides the movie. Potentially, right? yeah. It's well, I mean, it's all obviously a reference to Mary Poppins, to Mary Poppins the first exactly. text that was ever it written. Is. The, yeah. the Bible, yeah. the yeah. scribe, mm-hmm. the the stone tablets. Find the light in your Better when you start 
liked a lot about this movie. <gasps> wow. I'm but, actually, we are going to be on very different sides of the coin on this. Okay. This is very interesting. But when people try to put magic together with math. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my Molly. God. Molly. Molly. Stop. RJ, get out of this conversation. This is a me and Molly, Molly podcast. You, are you not and Adam have finally met this you are finally root. looking at each other and listening okay. to each other for the first time finally lyrics, seeing each other the lyrics are the square root of the impossible is possible, possible in, in me. me and this is what i said three and a half hours ago at the start of the recording that i said this was a twee musical it was true it was about the references to science and like math where I was like, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to be, you're trying to be like STEM, right? STEM is magical. STEM, STEM is a stem, beautiful science, technology, engineering, mathematics, women in STEM. It's important. Yeah. It's important. Black women in STEM. We love it. We love to support Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know what it is though? It is, and we're gonna reference another thing outside of this media. <laughs> it is explaining the force of Star Wars as midichlorians. It is like taking a thing. You don't need to explain. Everyone knows what magic is. Even if we don't know what magic is because it's not real, we like have an intrinsic understanding because of generations of media of what magic is. That we understand what magic is. You don't have to be like, magic is secretly math that you don't understand because you're not smart enough to get it. And if you did understand it, then you would get magic. I was so annoyed by the fact that they were like using literal things that exist in the world to be like and that's magic and i was like no it's education it's and it's, also math is not magical it's a thing you can understand it's a right, thing that it's allows logical, this world actually. able to be understood and um things aren't impressive because you don't understand them to your point about like magic like it's not it's, like oh math is ultimately just like magical and it's just like a thing we believe in same way we believe in anything else it's not it's actually different from belief and emotion and stuff like mm -hmm. those things are also important you but it's not math journey you can do anything i love this character in general this performer is awesome she does she's such a so great job good. she's so it good in this movie so obnoxious the lyrics Thank you. of this song it is so annoying to say like the math is not enough right it's like <sighs> we have to make it I'm gonna about have a, being possible I'm gonna pass out from joy. <laughs> I just... Joy Jangle. That's my <laughs> name, honey. Here's the thing. Joy yeah. is right over there. Do you see it on our... On our... Joy. Joy. On... Catherine, whatever her name is, is spinning in her grave. Come on. <laughs> Hidden figures. Mathematician. Oh, yes. Yes, oh, yes, yes, um... Katherine Johnson. Katherine Johnson, Johnson did not go through what she did at NASA for to you to write a song magic. about the square magic. root of impossible being me. Okay? Yeah. And she it, did real math. And, and the rocket actually thing. went to the moon. Here's the thing. And I don't know if you agree. Maybe this is just me. If it was just this song, I could be like, oh, that was annoying, but it's fine. It's the entire film. Yeah. They do like it's the it's the, the quadrilateral of the subtract of the it's of all the, of it's, that yeah yes. it's the okay it's subtract so, the spectacular from the wonderful and you so get so where I yeah it's it's where it comes into the math that I can't I do like I do like the in the we need to pause we need to give Adam a moment he needs his inhaler this is like a three flights of loft stairs situation everyone he needs a moment where it did work for me 
was the whole thing about like, I got a magic potion that I'm going to add to my toy and that's going to make it come to life. So Don Juan coming to life and buddy coming to life through belief that tracks for me because that is how toys work, right? Like you make a thing, but then it's like the childhood wonder of imagination is what like brings the toy to life that I'm fine with. It's the, it's yes. the writing the equations and being like, I need to get out of this tunnel that is on fire. I need to figure out what angle I need to get out of this fan with. And so I'm going to like, look at the square root of impossible. Like, no girl, you need to do real math right now. We cannot be, we which cannot be can. having fun. Which you know you how to do I can get out that of the way fun. of this massive metal blade if I believe. And I think no, no, no. that what actually annoys me is that it is, to me, it's like artists being like to get people into STEM, all we have to do is be like, it's it's, it's cool. really just about believing in yourself, but like, it's not about believing in yourself. That's like not math is very rewarding. It like gives you important information about the world, but just like I can do it because I believe I can is not going to get you through a math class. And we have no. to value what is different about math and science from and other subjects in order to really encourage children to pursue them, show them what's actually interesting about it instead of writing these songs about like, I'm really the core of math. You're not. Math is about numbers, not about you. Sorry. <laughs> also, like, if we want to really look at this, what does it mean to be the square root of impossible? Because technically, I is an imaginary number. Okay. No. See, you're also going down the same path. <laughs> and I think we're on, we're on track here to figure out what magic is, Molly, in this moment. Um, I Here's the thing. I thought the song itself, like, musically was sans really lyrics. good yeah yeah yeah. yeah. sans yeah. lyrics great i still think though that her wishing song not the only one i liked better but i mm -hmm. am like a it little was... bitch for a wishing song and it was it was just really short it was literally it, it felt like a little coda of just like and here's how i'm feeling this is my yeah. setup for but i did like I at the end of square root of possible that she was like in front of the clock and like the gears were turning behind her there's like a very steampunk aesthetic to this film that like we really haven't touched on but like it's very funny that it's coming out. It came out in 2020 because it feels like it's like 10 years past when steampunk was like cool or whatever. Um, steampunk is a weird. I, I is. read an article in time about how steampunk is this weird. Like it's an aesthetic that exists without like a core text to it. You yes. know, yeah. so like yes. I don't even know when was the height of steampunk because there wasn't a fantasy series that like was the moment of steampunk. So it's like what people associate with like Jules Verne. That's steampunk. Kinda, yeah. But like not exactly. Not really There's not also exactly. like other things on top of it now. I think yeah. that people have said like um repo, the that musical. We should oh gosh, we should put that on the list. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. That that's maybe like the best example of Steampunk. Yeah, but it's like not a it's not a big film. It's like a cult. 2008 Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh yes. I've heard of Harris Holton's in it. Oh. Alexa <laughs> Penavega. Oh, from Dancing with uh, the Stars, yeah. <laughs> Spy Kids. Those are the um, only two people I can think of that are in it right now. I didn't know that it was like a, like a movie. Or like a yes, yeah. There was just something format. about the thing too with that song was that like I felt like it lost steam right before it started because she showed her magic math, math and magician. Do you think? Like... And then like he was like, oh, you see that too? Oh, I can't leaves. And then like she's. She sings a song about like I either something along the lines of like yeah I'm finding it or whatever like I it it just felt a little bit like I don't know like I I don't know the discovery into the song I 
I felt like there was just a little bit of disconnect because of how Jeronicus like kind of like puts her down or like leaves. And then it was like, I don't know. I just wish there was a little bit connecting with the scene right before. I think that, yeah, I think that there's like, as we've discussed, there's multiple times where like the order of events Mm -hmm. in the emotional arc is like a little bit off. And I, that might also be like I was saying about like some characters feel almost like they cast it and then they had to like keep it because of that. Like, I wonder if there was a bit of like moving around where the songs were for even like film production reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't even feel like they, like it, it, it felt like it could have probably been done in poster or after someone reviewing it being like move that over because <laughs> mm-hmm. like that song comes in right before she starts like exploring and then like gets up to the attic that i almost wish that like maybe i don't know maybe all of that maybe the song could have been happening while she was exploring because it's like yeah. i'm finally here where all of the things that i see here make sense for the first time to me and it's not this just is why a, musicals have previews and movie <sighs> musicals that start as movies music- don't have that benefit unless you're singing in the rain and you get a you get a preview maybe so that they can that. go back and fix and dub, <laughs> dub everyone maybe it's that the idea of like believe in yourself is a thing that i think if they're if you're going with the like classic binary of like there's left brain and right brain people and whichever one is artistic and whichever one is like analytical and i truly don't like remember, i never remember not which accurate which. but yes let's yeah. go with the metaphor like, yeah. yeah right two types of people yeah I think there's like oftentimes the theme or motif of like believe in yourself is about like a like believe in yourself because you'll have a feeling or believe in yourself because you are a thing or like believe in yourself because you have a feeling whereas like believe in yourself because you can like do the the Pythagorean theorem like I just and like it's weird I acknowledge that there is like a a drop off in like women especially like black women in stem and so like maybe they're trying to like specifically reach out and be like but if you believe in yourself you can do stem but i think really it's not that the women don't believe that they can do stem but more that like the institutions should start believing that they can do stem maybe we need to sing to the institutions so so excellent point I feel like what would be better would be either if Geronicus didn't believe that she had the skills that she does. Mm. And so what she's thinking about is convincing him of her capabilities in helping to fix a toy or whatever the yeah. thing is, right? Or if it's that sometimes she struggled with those things and then and then that's where a growth mindset, right? Of believing I can understand it if I keep trying versus putting yourself in the binary of like, I'm smart enough or not smart enough to get it. Mm-hmm. then the song would make sense. But like the struggle she's facing is getting her grandpa to like to warm up. In her, and like, yeah. that's not really connected to her math skills. She's yes, great at math correct. the whole time and that's fine. But like, it's like a weird mixing of the the metaphors. Yeah. And it, it, again, I just feel like I don't think that this song is going to like convince any little black girls to go be mathematicians. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. think this yeah. is the thing that they need probably is my it, guess. It's like the, it's the, it's just another thing of like this musical is trying to like be everything for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And it I wish it didn't feel like it had it to. It had be. to, yeah. Because it yeah, it's like singing about something that's not really about the problem because like you said the problem is more about the relationship. It's like character driven of like the grandfather not wanting to connect. <laughs> um but she's singing about like I can do anything that I want to do like I can be because I believe in myself. I'm like, I know you from the first minute we see you, we already see these things that you can do. Mm-hmm. There was never any doubt that 
you don't believe in yourself or the audience doesn't believe that you can do these things like you right you are introduced as someone and who can do fixing all your relationship with your grandfather is not really it's not about math. believing yourself it's not math, it's not math and it's, it's not, not about math. believing yourself it's not math or magic it's so. not math and it's bad to make people think that like if you just analyze anal- analyze the situation you can like fix problems because sometimes mm. like human beings exist outside of an- analytics uh, analytics yeah and so Sometimes I will say humans aren't data points. Yeah. I mean, the song is maybe going in this direction and it's just the math stuff is like confusing it a little bit. But like, yeah. I will say like, I do see the, I do see the value in being like, this story is about her grandfather not wanting to connect with her being too withholding. Mm-hmm. And for her to have a song that's like, I know that I'm worthy of being loved yeah, and that his issues are about him and his, his trauma and his past. And it's not about me. I think mm-hmm. there's like a lot of value in that. And so like believing in yourself in the sense of like believing your own self-worth. Yes. That relates to the problem that's at hand, but believing in yourself in terms of like, I can do anything. It's like not about doing. It's not about <laughs> doing. Yeah. It's not about, it's not a doing problem. Yeah. 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 So possible. Think we've overanalyzed this. I know. All hacked. Have we played this, it? Yeah. This, poor, this poor girl who just wants to sing, girl. She just wants to sing. She and look, you do an amazing job, Alan. Well done. She just wants to sing at the Oscars. You can tell that this girl has done theater since she was a toddler. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Here's yeah. Here's the thing that I want to talk about next. I want to talk about the snowball fight because I really <laughs> like a. I like this background song, which we're just gonna put. In the background while we oh, talk yes, about it. It's being audio editing. Right the audio editing. However, Brilliant. it's called Grandpa Mini. Mini. Mini, I believe. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't. Hello. I wish I was better. Um, I like this scene a lot because it's very. It reminds me of the scene, the montage scene in Sister Act where they're like cleaning the city. Just been loved, just so it's like a scene that's just like there to further like everyone's character development, but like in a quick little like moment, which is great. Um, I really like the song in the background. I think the dance is like super cool. I just, there's one problem I have with this movie in regards to its music. I oh. wish the score and the songs matched better because so- the movie starts with the like Felicia Rashad explaining the like, storybook like, Christmas see correct and it uh, I think it just sounds so classical and it's like sound that like Dick once the first yeah. song and this this Molly this can lead you into this day which is the first song in this um I know you've movie. been waiting to I know you've been waiting opener. to talk about for this day I haven't um, said anything until we've gotten to that song people didn't know that there was an opening number yeah I had no idea <laughs> um that 
when the first song came in and it was like so modern that I was like, oh, I kind of wish they had like telegraphed that it would be that because visually, while yes, there is like African elements imbued into the Victorian setting, that doesn't tell me that, that it's going to sound like him. a pop <laughs> R&B hip hop like track yeah. with like a hard beat. So there's a thing. There are a lot of movies, movie musicals that mm. employ this, right? Like this device. Hamilton, we kind of like mentioned like the Marie Antoinette, I feel like is the the one that like the big cultural one that people talk about or of like, it's like modern music or like, or like even like Bridgerton. Oh, or whatever. like uh, historical anachronisms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I guess it's like, I don't know. Like, is that it's, is it like, is it a taste thing or is it like there should still be some sort of like in in good forms of storytelling should still kind of like make an effort to connect yeah i i felt like the opening song a lovely piece um i really liked the opener i felt like it came quickly enough for me that i didn't feel surprised of like oh you set up one thing and now it's something different like Like, i i felt like it was early enough that i it was fine for them to be setting up and we're also going to do modern music i guess i Mm -hmm. feel like with the anachronisms i mean i guess you could argue there too which is that the fact that they, that this is like a majority black town in Victorian England, which to my sure, knowledge yeah. would not have existed. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think England didn't even outlaw slavery until like the 1820s. Um, God, they uh, love to lord that over us, by the way. Sorry, just to like be an, an annoying. Ni- no, neither country is good for having had slavery. And so just because you got rid of it 40 years before us, yes, exactly. you're not Way years after, yeah. So annoying. Sorry. Royal family continues to live off of endowments that they <laughs> oh, gather from the slave, slave trade. Um, I think that, so like that's an anachronism of like, and that I think is like kind of in one category of like, obviously black people did exist in history. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think that's like kind of its own kind of colorblind approach that it's like pretty value neutral to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I can see arguments for and for and against, and then there's like the modern music part of it. That to me though, because musicals, because songs in musicals famously are non-diegetic as I mm. successfully explained to my seven-year-old nephew. Um, Amazing. Yes. I feel like the music can be anything and it doesn't have to relate to the setting to me in okay. terms of how I feel about sure. musicals. Okay. I don't feel it's the same way that I do like Marie Antoinette having like, like Marie Antoinette is like a film that uses anachronistic fashion choices and music and blah, blah, blah. And that feels per- yeah. what, way more purposeful. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm trying to think if there's another good example. I mean, obviously Hamilton, but like, I mean, we kind of a little Rocky Horror, we kind of said a little bit, right? Like that's a little bit more nuance of like time of the music didn't really fit the like. Yeah, I feel like a lot of musicals like do have music that speaks to the time that they're written in and not so much the time period of the the thing. And that that doesn't that doesn't really take away from like, is this historically accurate in any way to me personally? Mm -hmm. And maybe this is fully just my concept of like music sounding classical being like of all times and periods when like that's obviously not the case yeah but i also think that there is like a standard christmas sound again from like probably bells. we jingle. love a sleigh bell jingle we love a jingle and we love a jangle yeah um <laughs> but maybe it's that but like there was something i don't know what it was and it really only hit me in the first song it didn't really, because once I figured that out, then I was like, fine. I just think it threw me because I think the thing that like 
again, why I think this might work better on stage mm-hmm. is like your suspension of disbelief, I think is greater on stage in general. Um, because this world is so rich visually and they took mm-hmm. so much time and detail to put in like, so just so much for you to like visualize. I just was like, wow, they're just really co- like, um, like when they did Brandy Cinderella and they kind of just like, uh, uh, what is it when you change the song that's already written? You They did, made a different arrangement for <laughs> like Brandy's song so they could be a little more hip hop. It was okay because it still was in the world that they were like giving. But I was so, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I don't really have an explanation for it. I just was so thrown off that I was like, oh, I wish, I just wish the score telegraphed what the songs are going to be a little bit more. I wish there was a little bit more cohesion between the two where I felt like the score was made by one person and the song was made by a different person. Mm. I think maybe where I felt a similar thing to you is that I did feel like there was a lot of like setup type of stuff in this movie where it's like, here's a, here's like a framing device of like, it's grandma with a book and she's going to tell you about it. And then Mm -hmm. we have like, I think there's even animation maybe to, to get us into the world. And then there's also like a long sequence that's like going to be historical for most of the movie, right? So that feeling of like the a lot of this is like pre-plot, mm-hmm. I felt of like there's like kind of a tonal difference between mm-hmm. all of these different elements. I just thought the first number absolutely slapped. I just like loved it yeah. and not since everybody's talking about Jamie to bring that one oh, up again. Oh, wow. Did I have a movie where I was like so in I based on amped. the first number? Yeah. yeah. Now, also, those two are some of the other only two we've watched that I hadn't ever seen before and didn't really know what the music That's was going true. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like so brought to life by this opening number. Also, my little nephew was trying to ask his mom for a snack and was like in the middle of like kind of pestering her. And then when the the there's like a moment in the dance of the first scene where two guys kind of Jump. like do a big leap mm-hmm. and, yep, and flip. Mm-hmm. And he like stopped talking and watched it and then went, did you see that they jumped <laughs> over it was Aww. he was so excited about it so i i think you just have was, to watch every movie with a child i think is like the you new watch yeah every, every child movie is what you should every do. single I, movie absolutely i think yeah. you just have to see the opening number as like this is this is really the start of the movie and everything else has been like intro Preamble, and like not intro, use that yeah. as like setting up the movie as much you know what i mean yeah especially I for also, a movie musical yeah like yeah i also realized that earlier when I was talking about having an all black town and that being historically anachronistic that I said, I can see pro and con or like arguments for and against. And I realized that that could be interpreted as me saying like, I understand white people who like, don't think that historical film should have anyone but white people in it. So let me clarify (laughs) that pro and cons, meaning pros of just like allowing people to tell all different kinds of stories, Cons being people who think that colorblind approaches to history, like kind of erase, erases it, yeah. Feel oppression in real history. Yeah, yeah. There's been oppression, uh, or oppression. There's been critique of Bridgerton specifically, which we brought up earlier, as like right. mm-hmm. oversimplifying history, allowing us to live in a fantasy of like we've all just gotten along this whole time, yeah. and everything's been fine. Yeah. And so that the- was what I meant by con, and not you know can't have a Black Little Mermaid kind of con. <laughs> so just to clarify, which Molly won't let us watch. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I I put my foot down on that. I said. Have you ever read the Hans Christian Andersen story? Do you know how he would feel about it? He would feel fine because the story was about monsters gaining souls in Christianity. It wasn't even about yeah. romance. The amount that Little Mermaid is different from the original film already is ridiculous. ridiculous. And the concept that what's been that what has 
taken it away from like a it's European like, literary I, tradition I something. is casting a black woman as Ariel is ridiculous. Molly has been waiting. She's been waiting to get this out. I taught a Hans Christian Andersen course to college oh. students. Don't come for me on The Little Mermaid. The fact that The Little Mermaid ends with her turning into sea foam is nuts. Time stands still, can't explain what I feel. If this is really real, nothing's ever gonna be the same. To the struggling life, say hello to the sky, spread my wings and fly away. Even though life's been knocking me down, I had to figure it out, see my way through the dark. And when it seems I'm lost, turn and find my way. What I got in my hands could be the spark, turns it all around. Could this be happening now? All my life, I waited for this day you love this opening number Molly, i loved it this movie is emblematic of almost all children's media movie musicals that i can think of that stop their songs in at the end of act two act three has no songs the last song sung in this movie is make it work is make it work and then we just head straight into plot from there on out because we have to tie every single string up with a bow. Because it's I a did, and I I will I will go get every member <clears throat> of my family. Actually, most of them are asleep now, but I would go get every member of my family to attest to this. The movie ended. My brother said, "What a great pick." I said, "I liked it except for the fact that there wasn't a finale." <laughs> There's no finale. It was so weird because this the movie starts so strong. That I was yeah. like, oh, they're just going to do that again. Yeah. Right. And then they didn't. And yeah. it ends with them like flying. Peter first panning all, out the window. First and I was of all, like, what? First of all, should we should we really rig Felicia Rashad on a, on a thing? Like, like let's, should we be making Felicia Rashad fly? Let's let's. Well, also, I will say one thing I didn't love about this movie is that I cannot disassociate Felicia Rashad from her tweet celebrating Cosby's release know, anymore. Know, so like, I did have a moment of like, I said forget about that. Forget about Move that. On. You just have to. got to enjoy this holiday also, classic. I, I brought it up in, when we when I had first talked about it before, but like the fact that these kids are like, oh, oh, the your factory. Name's journey. Your journey. That big factory that I've the seen J. all my life. That's our last name. That huge factory oh, that our family uh, owns. That's why that's we're That's connected rich. to the story. Yeah. That's why we live in this big mansion. Oh. Also hilarious that when she reveals that she was Journey, she like pulls back her hair to reveal the like yes, the hair clips Adam basically hogs. that Adam was Adam said, wait, those are on her head. Like like she, she not I thought that was part of her skull. skull. I was my like My brother, my brother what? goes, wait, is she a robot? <laughs> it's not clear. It's I, I understand what they were going for because you do see journeys do see, like yes. uh I, I feel like there's a word more specifically than hair clips, but there's these like there's like gold pieces like and wrapped, ribbon that yeah. she has in her hair throughout. Mm -hmm. And so I had clocked it enough that like I knew what they were going for, but like it oh. does look like they're cogs and that she is <laughs> she is a robot. robot. Is how it comes across. She no, she opens it and she's like, I'm buddy. <laughs> no, she opens it, she journey? goes, I'm no. Don Juan. I'm, I'm buddy. Don Juan. I'm Don Juan. <laughs> I didn't love that. Oh, um, Look, overall, that part, ridiculous. Yeah, I think we could probably cut the whole framing device, personally. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, I just didn't need it. 
I, I almost... honestly felt like they were like, we need to give Felicia Rashad something to do. When was the last time we saw Felicia Rashad in a movie? We I gotta give Felicia she's, Rashad something to do. She's being the dean of the fine arts department of Howard University. She's yeah, busy. She's, she's busy. fine. I almost wish that maybe it was an, uh, just a voiceover narrator like if you wanted it was to just do, a nika narrating if you wanted to do a full like we're telling a story like maybe it's like you know i'm watching a puppet show or whatever and then like it, the, the scenes and then it comes back yes to that framing device because i did like the the, the animation the animation was it was very good in like, it was incredible would have loved to see it in a big the screen. animation was very good i love this idea get felicia rashad to voice over the whole thing and then yeah. the last shot is her like in the factory, like closing the doors and like giving a little wink, yes. you know, like just a moment. Of it's journey. like, um, and, a, and she's like, and now I'm she. It's <laughs> like how Julie Andrews is the narrator <laughs> of Enchanted. Yeah. Yes. Sure. And Julie Andrews starred in what? Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. The no, text. never heard of it. Um, <laughs> we missed that one. In class. I, Are we done, Molly? I well, the last thing I will say is okay. that Hugh Bonneville, the bank guy, oh, who comes cares? in and says. And says, "We'll give the bank. will give you whatever you need for the rest of your life." And both my brother and I went, "What?" what? And then I turned to my nephew and said, "That is not that's how banks not- work." <laughs> no, I said the same thing to Adam. I was like, "That's not how banks work." Do you know what um, other movie heavily features a bank as an important plot point? Oh my god! No, no, I don't know any any other movies any that have banks in them. No. This is the first movie to ever have a bank in it. Did you know that? That's a really cool fact. <laughs> <sighs> we have to move on. Okay. So the critics um, were very positive on this film. Um, this is an 89% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. From the LA Times, Gary Goldstein wrote, The cast under Talbert's fine guidance is uniformly strong and engaging, placing character over caricature and rarely allowing the sweet to turn syrupy. As the town's lovelorn male character with an eye for Geronicus... Lisa Davina Phillips delights with her nimble comic chops. And true to a film filled with wonder, don't be surprised by Whitaker and Key's musical ability. I don't know why I chose that quote. I think just because I wanted to reference RJ's favorite character. Is it because... Ms. Johnston. Johnston. You haven't yet told us who let you down in this movie, but I'm guessing that it's someone mentioned it in this quote. Who, Adam? Oh, no. I already... I, I oh, said a oh, whole time. Di- it Edison? It was Edison. Yeah. yeah, it was Edison. Oh. You just didn't connect. Thought... Just like the movie, you really didn't connect the... Oh, let me make it clear to the <laughs> oh listeners. Edison is the worst part of this movie. And I have a quote coming up later. Oh. I thought that it was just that Whitaker does a great job on the whole, but him and Anika Noni oh. Rose... The vocals are not at the same. I think he holds his own impressively for someone think, not known for singing. But I like, think, sure, sure, sure. yes, I think he holds his own. I, I, Adam made a comment that was like, "Force Whitaker's acting is like, don't do n- this to me. Not quite. He's like, it's not quite. But he has not seen Last King of Scotland, so he like doesn't which know is like his famous, Oscar which is his famous. Yes, and I think I kind of agree a little bit in the sense I of said... like he. I think he's and his the roles that he has been cast since kind of just like let only lets him like act in a certain manner like level yeah because mm-hmm. there is a little bit of like he he could do this in a sleep a little bit of like what he's doing right now um i yeah. probably until after the snowball fight i did not find his character engaging yeah and that's, that's purposeful also, that's purposeful mm-hmm. but and he really, he sold it too well in the beginning. <laughs> you also 
I've never seen a Scrooge in which I was like, I don't find this character engaging. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jesus. Okay. So from the entertainment, from the entertainment weekly, Leah Greenblatt writes, but it's also in the message. One that manages to champion hope and equality and inclusion without feeling blandly luxury. For all its enchantment, the movie also makes a solid case, incidentally, for the very real benefits of math and science and puts great faith in the big brains of even the smallest girls and boys. In a year short on so many of those things, Jangle feels like finding something sweetly familiar but also new, finally, under the tree. Um, I brought this up to remind us that in 2020, uh, the other big thing that happened besides the pandemic was the George Floyd protests. Mm-hmm. So I think there was like a large reckoning especially in the media industry of of a very big conversation which it was like why are we not celebrating black stories mm-hmm. and so i think that's like a big part of like the push to get this movie out there and i think it's great this movie was obviously already in production before right. anything yeah. happened yeah. Yeah. so i think it's great that and or that netflix already was like yeah let's do this because it's 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 a very good i mean like i have never seen a black christmas movie i don't think the whiz maybe Thanksgiving movie, I think. <laughs> Classic Thanksgiving film. <laughs> Determined, yeah. Um, so anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I think, no, for sure. I think it, it's interesting. And I did hear like interviews with the creators about the fact that this was obviously greenlit and all happened and got filmed and stuff before all of that. But I think was received as like a very welcome moment of black joy in a moment where it felt like that was very absent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally, from the Chicago Sun-Times, Richard Roper writes, so much movie packed into one story, but the universally appealing performances and the show-stopping musical numbers carry the day. The color-coordinated, elaborately constructed costumes by Michael Wilkinson are Oscar caliber, as is the production designed by Gavin Bouquet. Mm-hmm. Jingle Jangle is the early Christmas gift that keeps on giving on ho- a holiday film to be treasured. Yeah, I, we mentioned a lot about like the visuals, the colors, the costumes. I would have to shout out the production design because it is like whimsical and still like very very unique i mean like even... it feels like a storybook that has opened in front of you yeah. i mean like it feels Literally like what happens yeah it's yeah. so i mean it's visually this movie could not be more impeccable like yeah. exactly yeah. knows what it is is doing exactly what it wants to do i just like i was so visually impressed with this and film. like all the like we talked about the animation but like the visual effects like held up like, oh yeah even the mm-hmm. like action scene where they tried well the math like the action scene where they tried to escape the fire in the factory was like oh this is like smooth yeah it just this movie i mean it was made two years ago i would hope that the visual effects have held up over that shot but yeah yeah yeah. i just mean like it doesn't look like they rushed it it looks like it was given the care intention from the visual effects department and also just like even the cinematography is so beautiful there's so many shots that i was like this is so Rich. there's like a back shot a backlit shot of like Forrest Whitaker with his like hair haloed. I was just like and like this is so pretty. But like so at. much done in like what it clearly is like the set, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. clearly one locale the entire time. It's not time. a green screen. Well, this is not Mandalorian. David David E. Talbert said in an interview I read that Netflix basically gave him a, in him an unlimited budget and he he said as part of this explanation, they wanted to invest in wonder, which I think is such a lovely Aww. concept. Yeah. See, corporations are people too. Corporations are people Absolutely. too. Absolutely, yes. We have to like, celebrate Netflix corporations. Netflix is your friend and you should treat them as such. Anyway, we're, shout we're out still to watching Lynn, Sisson, Talbert for, sounds like, being in charge of the production design as yeah. the producer. Well done. Um, 
So I have some letterbox reviews. The people. So Grace gave it three stars and says, amazing choreo, killer use of plaid, very cute characters. No idea what happened. Which is so funny to me. Um, but not incorrect. Uh, ovary 87. <laughs> Sorry, E. Ovary. Ovary 87. Gave it four stars and called it the greatest snowman, which is incredible. If we had joke, if we had yeah. joke titles of our episodes, that would be the title of the episode. It's, it's a shame that we have to spend so long doing this the podcast when these people absolutely just, just eat us alive with these one several words. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And finally, Quentin Phillipson gave it two and a half stars and said this film is cute and has some fun scenes, but holy crap, Edison is one of the most annoying characters in film this year. It's <laughs> Instant four star. They killed that dude off. My God! And I just, I pick the, I pick them. I have to, I have to admit that I do pick these quotes. I, I find what vibes with my take on the film. <laughs> and is Quentin wrong? That's for you to decide after you watch this movie, listener. Now I feel like we should do a segment where, like, RJ and I also pick a letterboxed review and like try to try yeah. to decide Each of us who get gets one. the best, who gets yeah. the best like encapsulation of the film on the one that they pick. I mean, nothing's better think, than The Greatest Snowman. Yeah, I think yeah. The Greatest Snowman wins. I That's perfect. I'd be up for that. Molly, I think we should. I, I don't think... know if we should do that on like a regular episode or if that should be like in next year's showies or what. But... Oh. Yeah. What's the do... best alternative letterboxed review? Yeah. We should, do... the movies we should have done a feature of, we should have awarded a best letterbox. We... Well, yeah. there's always time. There's many more seasons of this podcast to go, RJ. Yeah, we're don't, never don't stopping. Don't cut yourself Netflix short. will never stop making movie musicals. They won't. So. We're still watching. We're still, we're still watching. watching. We're, we're still, still watching. watching. Um, I will talk about who my MVP is. Um, my MVP for the first time in the history of Showgaze hmm. is going to be Lynn Sisson Talbert, the, the producer of this film, because it was her decision to go down this Afro-Victorianism path. Mm. And I think it is so. It is what sets this apart. It is. It is. Yes. Yes. It, it is the yeah. piece de resistance. Absolutely. Of this film. Um, I, I do this fun thing at the end of every year where I go through all my letterboxed, which is like, you know, a movie tracking app of like what movies you watch. Um, what? Why are you explaining that? Like we have just been referencing uh, You know, people, people do reviews on them. <laughs> oh. Uh, I think we What's should. What's it called? Letterboxd. Oh, and there's no E? No, the, the E is silent. B-O-X-D? <laughs> wow. But anyway, I do I do my own kind of awards of like only based off of the movies that I watched that was released that year. Okay. What would have been like my my quote unquote big awards, like best, best supporting performance, best leading, blah, blah, blah. And in 2020, I put uh, Lisa Davina Phillip, Jingle Jangle, as a, as a supporting performance nominee and Madeline Mills, Jingle Jangle, as a leading performance nominee. And I think for my MVP, in my heart of hearts. All I, of that, and you didn't even say your MVP? This is a lead up to my MVP oh, saying oh, this is my MVP. Oh. In my heart of hearts, I think it's Madeline Mills. I, I mean, oh, yeah. even in, the, when my, in my first watch, I was like, this girl, it was like, for me, first time watching it in 2020, I was like, this is black girl magic. Like, I am watching. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it is a, it is an actual, uh, representation of black girl magic in the character and also in like her mm -hmm. talents mm -hmm. so i was like i hope i want the best for this girl i hope that she 
has a fruitful career after this. Um, so yeah, she's my MVP. Molly? Well, we know that Anika Noni Rose is my MVP of Dreamgirls. I love her. I want her in everything. <laughs> but I'm actually also going to give it to Madeline Mills yes. because I want to manifest out into the universe. I want her to be in more things. She's yeah. a talented young performer. And she really, I mean, in in the litany of things that really works about this film, the fact that yeah. they got someone so talented to be the lead child performer yeah. is crucial. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the movie would have sunk without her her performance. So, and she's well not done. too precocious. No. She's right. not she's that like right child mix. actor thing of like, oh god. Yeah, like, you mm-hmm. can't be too aware of how much she's... better you are with the adults. Yeah, like, yeah. She, yeah. Not... she still seems like she's enough of a real person. She's not yeah. just she's like I'm res- performing. She still yeah. like respects her elders because I think that's my problem with like child characters sometimes that are precocious. I'm like. Mm yes like you want the child to be like yeah we're seeing that you do kind of know better sometimes as the the adults but like there there was still a sense of like no but i want to be like reverent to my grandfather because he is amazing he just doesn't see that yeah um but if we had to pick an mvp song it's obviously going to nika noni rose make it screaming her face off and make it work i'm sorry she she made it work she She did molly what is your closer this week the closer this week if you had a magical elixir specifically that could only be used to create Christmas presents, what toy would you invent? So like you're asking us for a new invention of a toy or if we could have been the inventor of a toy? Could be interpreted anyway. I don't know the difference between those two things. Okay. Something that doesn't exist yet or it already exists, oh. but we invented it. But we invented Ooh. it. I was imagining something that doesn't exist and you're inventing it. I do also like the idea of you. No, no, no. I think it's something that doesn't exist, but okay. you get to basically magic up a toy that exists. I think is what oh, I okay. was imagining. Like bicycle, but I'm going to add magic to make a bicycle do X thing. Oh, you can math the magic. You can math the magic. You could, you could be the square root of impossible. <laughs> um, Molly, you wrote the and thing. That's so STEM. you get that's to. Honey. That's STEM. STEM. You get to go first, Molly. Because you're I mean, two. There are two M's, the second M. Because I have a feeling Molly did not think about what her answer would be. I didn't, but I do have one because I probably spend a lot more time playing with toys than you two do. So uh, I'm going to say simple but effective. I would make (laughs) a toy plane that can really fly. (laughs) What? He was making a stupid joke that doesn't Okay, Please repeat. I would make a toy plane that can really fly because children love toy planes. They love making them fly. And if they could uh, magic them into the air... Maybe you could have a little companion plane plane that like you fly and then that plane like does whatever you're doing with the one in your hand or something. I think that that would be extremely fun. That'd be so cute. RJ. I would create like a easy bake oven, but actually works as a real oven that you can create different things, but has no like consequence of like hurting yourself or burning yourself so like oh, an actual safe. perfectly safe mini oven and would that, it would it also like perfectly bake things every time yes it it's like you, like, fully, it like, you no put mess. you put literal like sh- like random like how kids pretend to cook it's, you yeah. put it in and then it put comes in, like, out a hook. pie and it comes it's out, as actual, it comes out yeah. as actual pie yeah, yeah. love yeah, that yeah, yeah i didn't play with toys growing up as a child. Let's unpack that. Damn. Yeah, let's unpack um, that. I just really loved reading when I was little. Like, I, oh, I okay. genuinely didn't. Oh, I made for okay. next since 2010, so... and I loved reading as a child. I was so <laughs> literate. You know what I mean? I was not like Annie in that way. Um, 
Marley, Marley's, Marley's gone off the path. She jumped. She jumped. She jumped out the window. Um. So I. Uh, it could be a magical book. I did not. I like did a not. Magical storybook or something. I did not gain a lot of joy from toys. I would like play with them for a little bit and then be like, "What am I doing?" Hey, you know well, my spirit of toy- Christmas. Other you know children like to- toys. It's, it's you know what my favorite toy was as a kid? Actually, genuinely. Do you know those? It's not an actual toy. It's probably it like is. post-it notes it is. or whatever. It's a toy. Do you know those marble runs where you would yeah. like build the tower and then you'd watch the marble go down? Those are my favorite. Um. So math, math and magic, math and magic. So math and magic, math and like magic. the biggest one of those possible. I don't know. That's not really an invention, but I'm not an inventor. I'm an artist. Maybe like maybe it's like I'm a, a soldier. <laughs> Like basically, like it lets you Rube Goldberg machine something without having to have the skills to like really. Yeah, it's now, those like is, now you've unpacked breakfast. trauma, it's so those, I have to oh, talk about okay. this. Okay, okay, okay. So eighth grade, we had to do a Rube Goldberg machine for like our final in eighth grade science class, and you were supposed to work with a partner or you could work by yourself. I had no friends, so I did not work with anyone. Um, not because I didn't want to, because I didn't. Nobody wanted to work with me. So I did it by myself, but I put it off because I didn't know what, how, what it how, was, yeah. how do you do that? How do you make a Rube Goldberg where they're just like, here's a poster board. Good luck. It was like a foam board. Mm-hmm. So, and you were supposed to do, I think it was like, there was a certain, I don't know how many it was, but there was a certain number of different ways you had to move the thing to the other thing. So it okay. couldn't just there be like a, you were going down levels. Through, yeah, yeah. You had to do like three or four different modes. Like of, mechanisms or something. Yeah. Yes, okay. correct. And I failed at it, but I love Rube Goldberg. I love the concept of Rube Goldberg machine so much, but it's I the, hated. Like, it's the guy with the breakfast, right? Like he, he rolls yes. a little marble and then it goes mm-hmm. through different things. So yes. that way it cracks an egg yes. <laughs> to his plate or whatever. Yes. They're so fun. Okay. Um, so it's, uh, it's in uh, Back to the Future when he, when he opens the like dog food. Mm. Sure. It's that sequence at the very beginning. I know it from Flubber. The greatest. Also, oh, it's it's a time. lot of children's media, yeah. in fact. Um, that talk about time so, <laughs> in some way. And it's always referencing Mary Poppins. Um, so, Mary Poppins was the first movie no, to wait, ever have stop. children in Rewind. it. Rewind. I'm starting over. So the toy I would invent <laughs> is a, a toy that would put all of your toys away for you. Ooh. Just like in Mary Poppins, how you just like snap. I used to try to snap my toys and like the my crap in my room back into place. That was me uh, after watching Matilda. I would stare at doors, mm. being like, open them. "I can close. The, I can slam this door shut." Yeah. I used to think that I had magic powers in in you the vein of Matilda magic. because of you know the thing when you like tilt your head to the side and then you can like see through something and not see through it at the same mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. I thought oh, that I was yes. like magic because I can, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you're understanding. I don't even know what that concept is called. Just like there's, dimension. There's a name just, for it, but I don't. Just yeah. like when you close one eye, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Having both eyes means yeah, yeah, yeah. You were visiting an optometrist. <laughs> That's brilliant. I saw the. I saw the. I saw the letters, and it was magic. <laughs> oh, and that's magic. At the eye doctor. Magic. Um, Adam, I think that's a lovely toy. It's something that parents and children can get behind. Alike. And that's Alike. why everyone's yeah. going to buy it. I'm going to be richer than both of you, to the, be honest. You're going to be richer than Jenny yeah. Jangle. And Jenny uh, Jangle. CEO of Jangle Toys. Uh, CEO. <laughs> and her giant factory that no one knew. The factory. Her, even, was related to her. Even her, own, even her own family was like, oh, that's just the crazy old factory over there. <laughs> 
That's how well, all trust fund kids find out about their massive amounts of inherited wealth is one day their grandma sits down with a book and then says, oh, that factory out the window? Uh, that's ours. <laughs> and someday you will be there too. Well, this was absolutely fun. Um, listeners, if you look into the description in the notes of the episode, you will find a link to a YouTube video, which is the biggest operating rotative beam steam engine at Crossness. Uh-huh. A beam and steam engine? A beam with an M. Beam. Like, as in Mary. As in Molly. Oh, sorry. I thought Mary Beam was <laughs> the name of Mary the beam, beam. Of the famous Beam family. Beam as in Mary Beam. <laughs> as in Mary Beam. You don't know Mary Beam? Um, That's why there's the B on the factory. It's anyway, it's like a tour of the stupid factory where this big rotative beam is. Rotative beam engine. And that's where they filmed the uh, factory sequences. So oh. it's like a real place, which is cool. cool. Only in England do you have this nonsense. Again, not a real place. Mm. You have so much damning evidence. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, even the like wall panels look like mm-hmm. Monica's fun right well listeners enjoy that video we hope you this comes out actually after christmas right it's like the the end of december or before this is the 15th okay we hope that you have a lovely holiday whatever holiday you celebrate and maybe you don't celebrate have a wonderful new year have a great time people with people not bothering you if you don't celebrate any holidays during this time enjoy the federal go see a movie movies are open do whatever you want yeah, what's the big Christmas release this year? Avatar 2, The Way of Water. <laughs> yeah, go and see that. Merry Christmas. Merry wow. Christmas. James Cameron said, go to the movies. Because <laughs> we're still watching. Because <laughs> you know what? We're still watching. We're still watching. We're still watching. <laughs> Somebody Happy sing holiday. one of these songs. Because the square Possible is possible in me. So I'll stand there with the wizard. Mashup. Hi. Thank you for listening to the best revival of a podcast, Showgaze. You can find us on social media. Adam is at Adam Noecker on Twitter. RJ is at RJ Food Rocks on Instagram. And Molly is at Molly Matiny on Instagram. This episode was edited and mixed by Adam Noecker. This has been an Ampliverse production. You can find our show page and more information at theampliverse.com. If you'd like to send us your own takes on the movie we just watched, reach out to us via email and we might read it aloud on the show. Our email is showgazemoviemusical at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to help others find the show. And now, as always, the show must go on. So stick around to hear what we're going to be watching next episode. Join Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers in Top Hat. Or I'll be there putting down my top hat, mussing up my white tie, dancing in my tail. Heaven. 
I'm in heaven And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak And I seem to find the happiness I see When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Relive the golden age of musicals in the most celebrated Fred and Ginger film of all time. With unforgettable songs and incredible dance numbers. In the all-time classic, Top Hat. Discovering Voices. Building Worlds. The Ampliverse.